Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. This is the Keep Hammering Collective with the Young Guns, Wyatt C. Bright, Nathan Indicott. Thanks for coming in, guys. Yeah. You're on the Keep Hammering Collective. What do you think? It's pretty neat. <laughs> Appreciate it, Cam. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, there's a there's a kid around here. He must work for you, your PR person. Oh, Rhett. <laughs> yeah, he's been on me about, you got to have Wyatt, Wyatt Seabright on. You got to have Wyatt on. When's Wyatt coming on? So anyway. Yeah, and I just wanted to, you know, put it out there to make sure that I was not sending him out to do that i'm like dude you're making me look like i don't know what I, are you trying to do here you're gonna make me look like i don't know if you were or you weren't i don't know it's, a good it's not he's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah no he uh yeah he pulled up and took a picture of me in the truck and gave you a shout out so but i just want to know even or i want to say even without anybody saying it you know i've been watching you guys for years you guys are dedicated to bow hunting it's obviously what I love. It's what I've been dedicated to for my entire life. So I've been watching you guys and, uh, you know, it takes a while. It takes a while for bow hunters to really give respect to each other. Right? It's like, oh, this guy, we'll, okay, we'll see what he does next year. And then next year, okay, uh, pretty good, but we'll see what happens next. You know, it takes a while. Yeah. But you guys have been doing it a while. How long have you been bow hunting first? Uh, I think I started bow hunting when I was 13. I'm 28 years old now, so 15 years. Yeah, and it's kind of like all I've ever, all I've ever cared about. About you know, as far as you know, being passionate or being becoming good at anything. That, mm -hmm. That's what it's been since I could you know before I bow hunted. That's all I've ever, you know. I feel like that's all that I'm good at now. <laughs> just, I guess just bow hunting. I don't know. That's all I've ever, all I've at, ever wanted to be. Good at having kids. I am good at having kids. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my wife Shelby. Mm -hmm. Three, three on the way. Uh, yeah. Well, well one on three the way. of. Unless, three yeah, of don't be asking for three on the way, bud. <laughs> yeah, that that makes it a lot busier. Yeah. Yeah. No, Shelby's great. I I I love your family. It's uh, it's been cool seeing you have success, but also see you raise families. Same with you, Nathan. I mean, how many kids you have now? Yeah, we're at four. Four, yeah. right? Jeez. We're just trying to keep up with. Yeah, that. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're just going head to head here on kids and animals. And I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm winning right now, but I mean, Wyatt's younger, so he's got time. You're, you're he's winning on, come back. on kids or animals or both? <laughs> both. Yeah. Oh, nice. Both. So, <laughs> so you're, but you're 30 what? I'm 35. 30. Yeah. See, yeah. so you got a couple years on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Freshly 28. Well, I'm not as fresh anymore. A couple months. Ago. Okay. Yeah. So the first, that first uh, person talking is Wyatt talking about he's got three. One, do you have two and one on the I way? I have two. Yeah, I have a uh, five-year-old boy. He's Bridger. And yeah. I have a two, almost three-year-old girl, Josephine. Okay. She's my wild child. Yeah, those are the, cool third, names. Third is, one on the way. Is Bridger after Bridger from Revenant? Yeah, Jim Bridger. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. mountain man. I know. The West, everything That's like awesome. that. I actually kind of came up. Well, that was something that came across our plate, and then I was elk hunting in Wyoming. Oh. I think my wife was nine months pregnant at the mm -hmm. time. And I was decided that Bridger, that fit, that Perfect. was, was going to be the one. I'm like, this is good. Perfect. If it was a boy, we always wait to find out. So yeah. Yeah. I know. I, came out, I had Bridger. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, and what, what, how many do you have? I mean, you said four, but mm -hmm. what, how, what's the boys and girls? Uh, girl, breakdown? boy, boy, boy. 
girl boy. Oh, yeah. three boys. Yeah, Emperor Whoa. Aya East and Eldon. And so Aya is actually named Aya Kulik. So if you recognize that from... I don't. What's that? Oh, seriously? No. Oh, okay. Um, I don't want to explain it right now over, <laughs> oh. uh, because of the secrecy of um, hunting. <laughs> does that make sense? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, now yeah. it does. Yeah. Okay. And then what was the other names? Um, uh, Easton. He's yeah. the next boy. And then Eldon is the youngest. He's two months. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Love my kiddos. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well... You know, and that's a big part of being young hunters too, is you're, if you're also raising a family, to be a good bow hunter, you have to be out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes time. There's no shortcuts in bow hunting. And with family obligations, kids, wives, jobs, it's a challenge, huh? Had all of it the whole way. Yeah. So how, how have, Nathan, how have you na navigated that? I mean, how do you balance work, life, bow hunting, passion, balance? Mud water is something I've been using daily since I started the podcast. It's supposed to be an alternative to coffee, but I actually add it to mine for some extra health benefits. It's got four functional mushrooms and with only a little caffeine, and each ingredient was added for a purpose. Cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate-like flavor. Lion's mane for focus. Cordyceps to promote natural energy. It's also Whole30 approved. 100% USDA certified, organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher. Mudwater donates monthly to support psychedelic research and has since day one. They believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and that psychedelic-assisted therapy is one of the most effective tools we have to treat mental health conditions. Today, you get $20 off when you subscribe at mudwater.com cam. You also get a free frother and a sample of their delicious coconut creamer. So go to mudwater.com slash cam to get $20 off your subscription and your free frother. That's mudwater.com slash cam. I guess, uh, you know, our partner, like my, my spouse, mm -hmm. um, Sammy, uh, she, without her help, like none of it would be possible. And so it's really just a teamwork effort. And it started early on and she just knew right away coming from my family. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're marrying into this thing, then you're going to understand how important hunting is. And right. Sammy was on the same page for a long time. And I took her hunting before she ever really knew much about hunting. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was taking her out and getting her exposed to it. It was really hard at first. And then she saw an animal die. That was hard, but she got yeah. over it. And then she's like, I want to hunt. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if I could kill it. Boom. She killed an animal. And so it was this progression of bringing her up into hunting. Yeah. And then now she's like, I wish so badly I could go, but I want you to go. I want you to go get one, go Ooh. get one, you know? And so she's like my teammate. See that's that, you know, a lot of guys don't have that. A lot of guys have to like, it's an issue with the wife, yeah. you know? So it's, it's, it can be, you know, we need bow hunting cause it makes us who we are yeah. when you, it's a struggle or a fight just to get in the woods. We got her a deer this year. Yeah, too. I saw that. Yeah, That's I had awesome. Benfit on my chest. I had the two on the double bob. It's like literally a comedy show. And the whole time I'm thinking like, is this ruining everybody else's hunt? Because my kids are so loud. They're screaming. shrieking and yeah. screaming. And we actually got a pretty buck. Nice. Yeah, yeah. he must have been deaf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the from all the rifle shots from all going the rifle shots his ears were ringing. He couldn't hear the difference between a child scream and yeah. the ring of his ears. Quite the popular spot this year. <laughs> Yeah, we won't talk about that. Yeah, it was yeah. like literally a highway where we shot this buck. Really? Dude. Yes. Uh, yeah. We when, actually had spectators. When was it? Um, first week in November. Yeah. It was the day mm. before Jeff got here, probably the third. Yeah, it was. Um, 
you know, I hated how late rifle season. rifle season went this year. I got real depressed there. Uh, I was seeing just giant bucks. Just every everybody who went out killed a giant buck. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, there's gonna be no deer left. You had to yeah. be well. It's really be. sustainable. So <laughs> yeah, next year we're gonna we're I gonna know. see what it looks like next year. You had to be you'd be dedicated to that bow and arrow to bow hunt blacktail this year. I was talking about it with my buddy Ryan, and I'm like trying to think. I'm like, well, who's bow hunting this year? I'm like, me. Nathan, <laughs> Wayne, uh, as far as like the notable names, I don't know. There's like six of us in the valley that are bow hunting this yeah. year. So everybody else, because for those that don't know, the the rifle seat, well, everything was pushed back a week for whatever reason this year. Right. So bow season didn't even end till October first, and that is late for archery for elk, obviously. But then that pushed rifle deer season back a week, which put it like into prime rut prime almost. Rut. November 10th. Pre-rut. Prime pre-rut, which oh. is when you kill bucks. Because they're when running the bucks around. bucks are cruising. They lose yeah. their head. Yeah. And they're rifle hunting when those big bucks are up on their feet. And yeah. it was just devastating yeah. because, yeah, bucks were just getting technology. We, technology is at an all-time high. high. There's, there's stuff that it's getting used out there that it's like... Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I, I went to the ODFW meeting, you know, it was two years ago, the one mm. at Sizzler, where they always talk about the changes in regs. Yeah. And they're announcing this right after talking about population changes from global climate change. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> yeah, anyway, so after they present the date change, I raised my hand. I'm like the only one in the room that's like, does anyone realize this is like prime pre-rut? Yeah. It's going to be a slaughter. Yeah. Like what? Why? Why is, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And they said, it's just how the calendar falls. That was what I was told mm. at the commission meeting. It was crickets in the room. I mean, there's a room full of people. Yeah. And, like, and we're not concerned about that and the future of it. And so then um, this next year is really no difference. Yeah, November 8th, I think. I mean, it's just going to rotate back two days. But mm-hmm. they say, like, well, this is when the calendar falls. But that doesn't make sense. You could also no. just rotate it back. could have rotated <laughs> like back. You had it. Like, I couldn't just go back a week. I did say that. I'm like, why couldn't yeah. it just go back? But, I mean, that, they're not there to make the changes. They're there to announce the changes. Right. It was, yeah. uh, it was official. Yeah, so, they're they're not getting yeah they're not getting input then making the decision. Correct. It's done. It's done. Yeah, yeah, I I think this year was a rough year. Um, I took partook in some. <laughs> I, I partook in it. Oh, I had to, I, oh, I had sure. to take people. Oh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to rifle hunt, but I had to take some people. I love getting out. Yeah, we all yeah. love just getting any excuse. Yes. Yeah. And and so yeah, we all took people out. They all killed bucks. So it's like can't sit here and. You know, it's uh, we can't complain too hard because we were involved also. But yeah, it was a rough one um, for bow hunters to see. Yes, yeah. You want your fellow hunter to be successful, Correct. but not that successful. Sure. <laughs> we need well, there's limits see. because yeah, I mean, you just can't kill all the deer. Yeah. Or the breeding bucks. Mm-hmm. I think the only complaint is the breeding bucks got whacked. Mm-hmm. So in a couple of years, we see population decline. Yeah. And then people are going to be a little upset about how poorly managed it is. But we all took place in, we all took part in it because yeah. it was legal. Mm-hmm. That was the legal hunting season. So yeah. why not? Tanner, Tanner made a good point that that uh, hopefully the guys who went out there and killed big bucks all of a sudden think that they're like these great hunters. And so now they hold out like these years coming down the road, they hold out like for that one, remember that one time I killed that giant buck, I'm going to do it again. And then they just get shut out for like, is that the how rebel hunting works though? <laughs> not usually, yeah. not usually, not but usually. Uh, yeah, it's uh anyway, it's just, a, it was a weird year. Um, but God, it was fun to be out there. That's for it sure. Is, yeah. yeah. It's like, I was just, again, my buddy Ryan, we were talking about it. And it's like, I think of all the months in the year, I look forward to September the most. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get done with this and then it starts to be summer. You lead up to the, the archery elk kind of, that's kind of the, you know, 
that feels like the peak of your year. But man, once that wraps up, you get me into November. By the end of November, I'm like, this is my favorite month of the year. Yeah, it's just yeah. the blacktail oh, is so much fun. It's so just, addicted to the blacktail. Probably because we grew up here. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just we're, we're so familiar with the change in the season. Yeah. And these, you know, special little deer we get to chase around. So lots of people asked, are yeah. you going to switch to any legal weapon season? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I had no why. They're like, mm-hmm. the dates are prime. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but no. <laughs> no yeah. like, it is so special that time yeah. that I have, you know, with my bow out there. I want to trade for anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the dates are better. They can they can push us outside the rut. We still, still did good. Go. We still did good, even with the screwed up season. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. you guys killed giant blacktail. We'll get to that. I killed a, a pretty good blacktail. So, I mean, for this year, we got it done. In all, and in, in all honesty, I'd have to credit credit some of my success on killing that buck due to the fact the season was as late as it was because I had to sit back on my hands and scout instead yeah. of hunting. So right, same. Yeah, um, my target buck got whacked. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Gothic Serpent. The exclusive coffee subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roasts from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran-owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. So I would not have killed that buck mm. had I been focused on a different deer. Got shot so, by a muzzleloader. Oh, the one I was going to go after. Really? So what are we Seriously, doing? I brought complain? the sheds to show yeah. you. We shouldn't be complaining. We should no, be thinking, hun- no. Yeah. Hunters complain. complain now. <laughs> Hunters complain no matter what. No yeah. matter what. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the technology and I'm not, you know, I'm not a rifle hunter. I take people out and usually I'm just trying to figure out the gun and like, cause it's usually somebody who borrowed a gun and sure, sure. Cause I don't even, I don't even know what happened to my guns, but anyway, um, I took this runner out, Cat Bradley, and we were getting her set up with Kevin Aker's gun, and we're at the sweet range, and I never shoot a rifle, never. But anyway, they had this long <laughs> thing out there at 988 yards, and I'm like, I'm like, what what caliber is this? And I was thinking, like, God, I wonder if I could hit that thing. And uh, you, you know, there's a program on the phone, so you get the scope dialed in, you get the yardage dialed in. It's got all this stuff dialed into where you hold right on at 988 yards. It's like a 24 power scope too. So you dial it all the way up. You got to rest there and I'm not even haven't shot whatever nailed it, nailed the steel at 988. So a thousand yards. Yeah. And for somebody who never shoots, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's largely, it can, it can largely be plug and play. It, it's what it is. If you have the right person to set you up. Yeah. And some of them out of the box, you know, you pay enough money to get them out of the box. Crazy. You can do that. It's mm-hmm. wild. It's wild. And then, you know, I mean, t- then to me, now. yeah, now there's, <laughs> a, there's, there's kind of a, there's a method people have for finding deer right now. That's yeah. Not good. The illegal. thermals. Yeah. It's yeah. illegal, but the amount of people we're seeing running around the woods with them. Is it illegal? Yes. It because it in some it. states it's not. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely. illegal. In, in it Oregon. It was scout was, locate or hunt. It's illegal. Yeah. So that well, means if you're a hunter, it's worded with it's illegal. Uh, scout, scout or hunt using a infrared. Or locate. Yeah, infrared so, device. Yeah. I've never even, yeah, I've, I've heard about it, but I thought it was like in the taking of big game. 
So, but Oregon says you can't use it to scout either. Can't Correct. use it to scout Perfect. or to hunt. But yeah. hard to justify owning one. It's tough to, I guess it's tough to enforce or I don't know because nobody's been popped for it, but there's mm. a lot of people doing it. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's probably oh, some guys that. listening that are looking down at their shoes right now because <laughs> yeah. they know who they are, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I know. I That's always a battle of uh, technology. You know, I mean, it's hard to know where to draw that line. It is. You know, you want to be an ethical hunter. Mm -hmm. You want to make, be able to deliver a, a merciful kill on the animal. And so there's things that help you become more proficient at hunting and do that. Yeah. But there's also things that like, is what is this? Is This seems like it's something else, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. When you all want, of a sudden something can't hide. You want, yeah, right. And <clears throat> what I don't like- You want to have some kind of a challenge. What yeah. I don't like about it, because we were talking about it, I think when I took, I can't remember, maybe I had Truett down there. And if you have to glass a giant unit, for a buck, that's hard. It takes hard. time. It it's takes freaking time. Hard. But if you can put thermals up and just like just pass over and see heat, yeah, you're, you that can, takes you no can, talent. You could scan. You could scan. Uh, you could scan and efficiently cover like ten units in the time it would take me to cover one. Right. And yeah. then I'm still going to miss stuff, even with the best glass and yeah. being an experienced glasser. You're still going to miss stuff. Right. Well, that's part. That, that's part that, of being a good. That's part of being a good blacktail hunter's glassing. That was the huge thing. You know, yeah. it's it was always had a ton of respect and still do for a lot of rifle hunters that, you know, man, that guy's, he's a really good glasser. He knows how to locate bucks. Mm -hmm. He knows where to be. But now it's like, it, there's become such a shortcut anymore that everything's jaded. Even if a guy is doing it right, it's tough to, uh, well, yeah. So if you, to not if you can wave, if you can wave a heat seeking optic type thing or heat registering optic, see the buck and then shoot it from a thousand yards. Does, what's it about at really that defeats point? is that is that even hunting no. i mean where's the what's the hunting part to it i know yeah, i don't know you're you're becoming a selective killer at that point i guess yeah. I, don't mm -hmm. I don't know i just really want to promote things that align with my thinking and core values in hunting and so a lot of the stuff i do is try i really try to do that and i yeah. hope that people would gravitate towards feeling good about the hunt as opposed mm -hmm. to i killed something really big yeah um and so that's a lot of the work that I do with my outreach in the way that I can. Your outreach. Do you have a program or um, you mean just your influence <laughs> or yeah. your messaging? Um, I'd say that people contact me for oh. help. And then also um, I dabble in um, filmmaking. Yeah. So I think no. within the filmmaking, no, you're getting I try, serious. try to, uh, oh. you know, I, I try to encourage the journey. Film. Yeah, and sure. Like the, the way deeper meaning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Within it. And so hopefully people grab onto something more than just that killing process of it was really far and I made that shot and I potentially used something that was illegal. Like hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. Hopefully it's that, you know, with my small reach, it's that, Hey, I felt really good about how I hunted and I did it with hard work. Yeah. yeah. And that's way more meaningful than any other means. And you can still work your ass off and kill a buck with a rifle. Like, I mean, it's just, seriously, yeah. there's a right and the wrong way to do and things. And I don't want to, I don't want to make, you know, make it seem like we're bashing rifle hunters no, no, or whatever. No, because, I'm not bashing rifle hunters. Because people can look at what we do and say like, well, you practice it, you know, 160 yards with yeah. your bow. And it's like, how are you any different? I get, I understand. Yeah, sure. I, I get. There's technology advances. In I, I get it. No, so no, we're no. just saying that it would be nice, you know, the drawing that line is always difficult, but it would be nice to err on the side of let's, uh, let's keep the journey, you know, kind of what you're talking about in the experience pure as pure as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's 
let's keep it to her. We're still hunters. We're still immersed in the land. We still have to have woodsmanship and, and understand animals. We still have to have all these things to be successful. Cause that's, I mean, that's what makes hunting what it is. Sure. That it's is hunting. Exactly. Using your, your instincts, your yeah. intuition and mm -hmm. everything that you've learned over the years and putting it together to put yourself in a path or sneak into, yeah. you know, and there's these animals on their home turf. Right. Really good at staying alive. Yeah, they are. And so it's, you know, in bow hunting, there's going to be a certain set of rules that we try to live by and, and, uh, and rifle hunting the same way. And there's a lot of rifle hunters who I respect. I mean, there's Absolutely. one guy we talk about, or I talk to, you know, my boys all the time about, he was, he's been hardcore for his whole life and he switched to bow hunting a little bit, but mostly just rifles. His name's Kurt Brace. I know Kurt. Freaking, Kurt's legit. Oh, course, kill, he's, he's killed so many big bucks. Big buck better on Instagram. <laughs> he is. He's such a star. I don't even have an Instagram, but I know. <laughs> Kurt, that's an interesting stat. Kurt's, I think Kurt's a good dude. Yeah. He, he's a killer. He's a black oh, tail killer. When right back, here in our home turf. I know. Back in the day, we were so, you know, you talk being secretive of where you hunt. I totally get it because we would bike in to Warehouser up mm -hmm. there. We'd get there at uh, like 3.30 in the morning, want to get as far back. And he was in awesome shape. He worked for the city of Eugene, just retired not too long ago, but always just shredded. And then we were so worried about people knowing that we parked at the main gate. So they, you know, if he, I think he killed like a 160 buck up, up Marcola yeah. and at one time. And so he, you know, to, I don't know, kind of hide where we're hunting. He would park at the high school which is back down That's in a town. Long ways back. <laughs> yeah. Just so his truck wasn't at the main gate. And so I totally get trying to protect if you've worked your ass off to find a good area, hey, we don't want to be announcing it on a podcast. Which yeah. you know what I was listening to you on uh, on Joe mm -hmm. last I don't know, last week I think it came out. And Joe's like, and all you dummies that are worried about a bunch of crowded trailheads, yeah. it's like I want everybody to hunt, yes, but there is some truth to the crowded trail, yeah, I think, because yeah. at some point, you know, your experience can be yeah. tainted or even eliminated if too many people. So there is a little validity in, in being secretive, yeah. and it's not always to protect it just for yourself, but there's others you respect, and, mm -hmm. you know, they all work hard you know, yeah. to find their spots, so you don't want to blow anything up for anybody, including yourself, especially. No, so. I mean, I, I hated seeing a boot track. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I saw going. a boot track, I'd be like, oh my God, just drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because you always want to have in your head that you're the, you know, you're in new country. You're Correct. like, who knows what you're going to find. It's untainted, you know, it's untouched. Yeah. And so I get the, yeah, people really got upset. Some groups of people that really got upset with Joe's comment yeah, on, yeah. on the, I don't know, find another trailhead dummy or whatever, which. There's I, only so many of them. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. But there are lots, but there's only so many that are worth anything. Right. But if, you know, I was in that same position and that's what I did. If I showed up to a trailhead that was packed, I'd be like, I'm either going to have to go further or find another one. So mm -hmm. what he said wasn't wrong. No. That, um, that's what you do. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, whatever. People are going to have something to say, but I, Always. It, <laughs> I understand we have, um, I mean, Western hunting is amazing. I can understand that uh, there's a big allure to it. Mm -hmm. It's a big draw. It's yeah. a big test. It's a big, uh, it's a incredible experience. So maybe there are more people wanting to like, hey, do I have what it takes? Yep. And so, yeah, pulling up to a, a jam-packed trailhead, 
would suck. Yeah. Definitely does, would and does suck because I've been there. And uh, you get to where you have to be creative. Either you come in off a different way, yep. you go further than everybody, you find places. What I did is, you know, if it was a if there's a horse trail to it, I'm like, I'm not hunting there. Because if you can just get on a horse and get there, there's going to be people there. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, you know, any... In, around here, if you can drive to it, there's going to be people there. Yeah. So the wilderness is a different set of rules. But if there's a horse trail there, yeah. Yeah. you better find. So I would find places off horse trails where you just had to cross country. Never anybody there. Nope. So it's been and, hard to hide my vehicle. So I've been parking in places that don't really, not really close and then biking back. Yeah, that's so a I've good been idea. like, yeah, a few miles away. And then it's nothing on a bike to crank out a few miles because yeah. I have yeah. people come up and say, I saw your truck. And I'm like, I know. play it off because I don't know where I was that day. <laughs> yeah, I know. You got to get a decoy rig. I borrowed my, I yeah. borrowed, I borrowed a, a rig to go deer hunting this year. Yeah. I mean, I used to take my, my, <laughs> smart. my wife's, you know, yeah. Yeah. so it's like, you know, and I used to, back in the day, people would say I was so secretive about where I'd like Tim, my buddy from Arcola, uh -huh. he'd say, Oh yeah, can't, we'll just call Cam Mac his name backwards. Cause he's, cause he's so, <laughs> so secretive, but I wouldn't tell anybody anything. Yeah. And I wasn't even killing. I was just finding animals and it's so freaking hard. You're like, I don't want one person can screw it up. Mm -hmm. So sure can. Yeah. I found that out the hard way this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, uh, real quick to jump onto that. Um, there's a buck I've been following for three years yeah. and I have a sheds for three years mm. and I was really excited to know he was still alive cause I got him on camera and I couldn't wait for season to open and it was a delayed a week. Yeah. And sure enough, a muzzleloader guy sends me the photo the <sighs> day before. And this is a guy that we've overlapped. One time I packed a buck up, uh, through his campsite in yeah. Eagle Caps. I oh. literally shot a buck 300 yards below his tent. <laughs> oh, man. And so we've overlapped a lot. Yeah. And then so he sends me a photo of a dead buck. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, payback. Turnabout's fair play. Congrats. Yeah. And like, I recognize it. And so How I brought those sheds. It? I'll show you. Those, um, that guy, he's there. He's just a, so, they're good hunters. He's not just a giant, but like, mm -hmm. it was a meaningful deer. So like, this is one side. Yeah. That was this last year. And then, mm -hmm. um, this is uh, his 2021 set. Yeah. And so um, he's like, that Just right there nice is like long. a 125. That one right there is like a 134. Mm -hmm. um, and so just a clean four by four, yeah. pretty buck. No, he's a nice, um, he's long deer. on everything. Yeah, long. And uh, he just like super impressive deer to see on hoof and really pretty, just classic. That was the deer I was hoping for. Um, you got a better deer. <laughs> I <laughs> so mean, all you, in all, it worked out. You got a better deer. But you can, that's the way it goes. That's yeah. public land hunting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, and nobody has to play by your own rules. Um, mm -hmm. And if anything, they're learning from you. When you think you're doing something, somebody's going to be doing it better. So I didn't get that buck, but yeah. I'm really happy about the one out. I got. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so uh, Wyatt talked about how long he's been bow hunting. Tell me about your bow hunting journey. As, uh, Started when I was... Uh, well, I you mean, were young. from the time I could walk, yeah. I was probably following my dad, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my dad's Wayne Endicott, right? Owner of the bow rack. So, um, for people that didn't know that, that is the link. And my dad has always included me on hunting. There was one time where he shot a buck. I was in the car 
and he had to drive us home because I was maybe seven. I was wearing like the Snoopy sweatshirt. He comes home with a buck, <laughs> comes home with a buck and gets a photo with me that night. Um, so, I mean, early, early on, but since I could kill something for myself, it was 12 mm-hmm. and I've bow hunted ever since really. There was a couple years, I've done rifle a couple times mm-hmm. for opportunity, but um, I'm not really like a rifle guy, yeah. but I'll do it for opportunity. Like mm-hmm. Washington had a, um, attack. You did it example. this year, didn't you? Um, or was that last year? I did pack a rifle for a second opportunity in California on mm. blacktail. Okay. Uh, I almost killed a world record non-typical velvet buck with my bow. Really? Like almost as in like, <laughs> like the arrow was in the air until it hit uh, a tree. Really? Yeah. Like how big do you think it was? He was uh, like in the 170s. Yeah. He, wow. I have film of him and I'll eventually make a film. Mm-hmm. I documented my story pretty good. It's it's really a bummer that I didn't get him. It was a long how, shot, right? It was a longer shot. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it's a, a big buck. Yeah, basically he's a four by four. That would have been like a 135 mm. frame, but every single tine had an extra. Oh, man. Yeah, if you could just imagine that. So, yeah, G2 through four, just everything had an extra tine matching length. Whoa. And symmetrical. Oh, man. And just like, what is that? <laughs> and it was an area I scouted. It In was, the wilderness down there? It was in a it was in a roadless area. Yeah, well, I <laughs> can't mean, give too many Trin- clues. Yeah, Trinity Alps is a huge. It's like double the eagle cap. Yeah, in marbles. Like that. Marbles is you know I've killed I, I went one time and killed a buck in the marbles, but yeah, it's it's big country. For big sure. country. Yeah. yeah, hard work. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. Yeah, no one else around. Just me. It's hot usually. Hot as yeah, hell. Yeah, not a lot of water. Yeah, super hot. Um, did not get that buck. So. Uh, mm. That was so I did go back with a rifle. Okay. So long story short, is I've done rifle a couple times, but mostly an archery guy. Yeah. And then I'm 35, mm-hmm. so been bow hunting a while. 20 some years. Mm-hmm. Dad yeah. always packed me around, and I've been more unsuccessful than successful because of all the young years with you know older <laughs> yeah. equipment and yeah, just trying. But I didn't start with rifle, that's for sure. Yeah. No, I know you guys from the get go been been bow hunters, which is hard. I mean, I started I was a rifle hunter to start, and then didn't switch to bow until I was later in my teens, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, bow hunting is hard when you're young and your arrows are going slow and you're yeah. not a lot of poundage and the equipment, you know, was not what it is today. Right. It's challenging. I think uh, I did rifle hunt my first year. I, I was pretty small, so mm-hmm. I think that had a lot to do with it, but killed a nice buck that year. But uh, the uh, the delayed gratification and success that comes with like bow hunting from a young age, I think played a lot into the desire that I have now, you know, you want for it for so long Mm -hmm. and things finally start to fall into place and you start to figure some things out and be able to make shots on animals. I think all those years of not having immediate success, you know, it's, yeah, it seems to be important for, for later on in life. I I think so. I'm happy that I, that I, came up not having a ton of success. People always killed stuff, I guess. People say that after they've like, quote, made it and had success, they're happy for those hard years. But when you're in their hard years, it really sucks. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but they're important. They are important. If you're in those hard years, keep cutting it out. Yeah, yeah, don't give up. Yeah, it looks like you got something to say. Oh, no. It just oh. flashbacks and memories of all the things I've screwed up. Bow hunting, you know what I mean? I know. And it ties into my story this year. I I I used to say that, well, you know, now I, I have some animals, but I used to say, me and Roy used to say, if we had all the animals we screwed up on, <laughs> oh. we'd have like the best trophy room ever. My room would look like yours. Because it's just gi- <laughs> giant bulls, right? And we, or bucks. It's like we screwed up so many. You know, I can think of, you know, Roy had target panic for a few years. 
and just could not get that pin up. And oh my God. it's just, or Dark was in the survivor. Yeah. <laughs> or was in the shoulder blade. So he had to switch to recurve and that kind of cured it. That. Then he came yeah. back. Yep. And, yeah. uh, it's, uh, yeah, so we definitely, when you talk about screwing up on big animals, man, we had our share. Hey guys, you want to be as smart as famed neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, PhD at Stanford? Well, sadly, that's probably not going to happen. But I did find something that can help, and that's HVMN Ketone IQ. I actually downed one right before reading this, so if I sound decent, it's probably why. Because I'm not sure if you guys realize how much brain power podcasting takes. But whatever I can take that will at least make me sound smarter, I'm in. Ketone IQ is a clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. Ketone IQ increases your blood ketones. I'm not on a keto diet, but by taking Ketone IQ, I can achieve the desired focus and energy for explosive workouts that ketones typically provide to those in ketosis. You can find Ketone IQ at your local Sprouts or online at hvmn.com. Use code CAM, C-A-M, for 20% off your first order. Hey guys, looking to take your wellness to the next level? Blokes can help you. They are a modern health optimization service for men that is devoted to your physical, sexual, and mental health. From the convenience of your home, Blokes helps you test your hormones, consult with a board-certified clinician about your results, and receive a personalized plan and treatment specifically for you. Blokes' mission is to optimize men from the inside out. Patients come to them feeling old, tired, overweight, and like things aren't what they used to be. Blokes wants to help get that pet back in their step. Blokes improves men's lives by optimizing their hormones, the most essential chemical messengers in the body. Blokes is going to send someone to my house to draw my blood. No appointment was required, and I'm really excited to be partnering with them so I can keep hammering for another day. They're offering you guys 20% off labs if you use code CAM at blokes.co slash CAM. Um, yeah, so your buck this year, tell, tell me that story. All right. It's a, it's a giant <laughs> four by, or no, five by four. Here. Typical. He's a five by five. five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, five by five. But five by five. generally, I mean, kind of like a, a big four by four, and then the G2 on the one side, and the left side splits, and then a drop tine on the right side. Just yeah. an epic, or I mean, just an incredible black tail. Yeah, he's pretty buck. Yeah. Um, and he's like over 140, right? Yeah. yeah. White yeah. scored him. We scored him. He's, so he's got a... I think 141 inch typical four point frame mm -hmm. and he's got a six inch drop tine here and a, you know an inch and a, yeah. inch and a quarter tine back there like so he's 148 148 and three eighths three eighths yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty amazing bug. that's a big black tail so so All that's right, so, pretty pretty crazy story yeah, yeah. so i've kind of talked touched if, on a few if different you, things if you talk about if you're the unedited version you can make it like a, the most you can make it an outdoor channel story if you want perfect shot dead that's, that's what happened. That's bow hunting. Like, but I just, you know, had some other details in there that made it very interesting. <laughs> yeah, tell me it, what happened. Technically, it was a perfect shot at the end. No, I think that's ruining it. So I'm going to start from fresh here is that um, season was moved back a week. Mm -hmm. I was coming off a hard year. It seemed like everything was not going my way. Mm -hmm. I was putting in the effort. With California. California, you know. Oregon, Idaho, Spring Bear. Um, there was a lot of art archery opportunities that had usually gone my way that didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things where I'm just wondering what's going on. Like, why is everything so hard? Why is it all against me? And I'm working harder than ever before. I just come off a year two where 
I'd had a knee surgery and health complications with an autoimmune and I still got it done. I killed more animals than I'd killed like in (laughs) some prior years. And I was overcoming a lot of health things. And this year I was more able than I've been in a long time. And yet nothing was going my way. Do you, do you guys think that uh, we'll get back to that, but it used to be so frustrating because I would like work my ass off and could not kill. And I was just like, I would tell myself, nobody's working as hard as me. Yeah. What, how is everybody else killing? Cause yeah. it seemed like everybody was, and I'm like, I'm working harder than them. So is it frustrating when you feel like you're just giving all you got and it, it's not happening Yeah, because most things in life, they say, well, if you work hard enough, it's, you're going to get what you want Correct. with bow hunting. There's no that guarantees. doesn't guarantee anything. You there's, might work your ass off and you just work your ass off. Yeah. There's no guarantees yeah. on the desired outcome. Mm-hmm. You can try and try, try. And sometimes it doesn't go your way. So our season dates were moved back a week. I get the text the day I'm leaving of this buck that I was going to go after. And I just, I mean, I was like packing my bags. Yeah. And I was talking to my wife about like, do I still do my game plan? What I was going to do? And she's like, yeah. And then, I mean, you need to get out there. And I was feeling pretty bummed. I was not great. Right. Pretty, pretty upset. So I get in there and it just feels so refreshing to just, you know, clear your mind. Like I'm just hiking, just breathing hard. And that's all that matters. It's just, you really feel your effort, get in there, I camp out. And so, um, that night I had put in a camera and of course I screwed up on that. So Hmm. I have no photos to look at on a camera that had been in since spring. And that was pretty awesome. So So things are just stacking up. And so I fall asleep that night knowing it's going to be, you know, new slate, like, let's just get this done. And next morning I'm, uh, doing, I still hunt which means, I mean, I could talk forever on this topic, but I cover a lot of ground until mm. I find sign or any reason to slow up. Mm-hmm. And then I hunt pretty slow mm-hmm. um, until you get senses or whatever that says, no, I need to cover. I need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was covering ground, had a couple little, I had a little buck run by me that morning and a couple more miles goes by, take lunch break, a couple more miles go by. And then I'm sneaking through some timber. It's really dense timber so you can only see maybe 70 yards look up and the sun is gleaming on a buck Mm. like just beautiful tall framed four by four Mm. kind of like more of a pink light antler Mm. looking at me i get my binos up see he's a good buck range him 70 yards a little too far to shoot he's staring at me and we just have a stare down i don't move buck eventually walks off so i'm like hey maybe i'll get another opportunity i close the distance on him i'm going through the timber I look up and a forked horn's running right at me. Hmm. And so I freeze, get my camera out. I'm trying to get video of this forked horn and I'm realizing that it's running from something. Hmm. And that's when I see this buck, hmm. this buck's chasing him. Okay. So he's chasing him around and they're just having this little chaotic battle of get away from my doe. Next thing I know, after about 10 minutes, this buck is pushing the doe towards me. So here they come through the timber And I like to film and I got one little clip of this buck moving through the timber, but the most important thing is coming home successful. When I'm away from my wife, my kids, like as much as I want to film and document the whole thing, it's way more important. I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you see a buck with that frame, I had not actually seen the drop tine, but when you see a buck with that frame, like I could care less what the camera is doing and I'm by myself. Right. So Buck goes, but doe goes through some trees. I'd already ranged it 40 yards waiting for the buck. Buck's going to step through, draw back. I'm pinned in, ready to go. And then I try to stop him. 
and he's just kind of doing his thing walking and I swing over, pin in, touch off, whap, I hit my jacket. Mm. The buck whirls right when I touched off. Mm -hmm. And so I see him take a couple bounds and right back in line with the doe. And I put my binos, look at his side, he needs clean. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I, if anything, I would have hit him back and that would have been a bad hit back, but I don't see that. So I'm watching him, he's right in line with the doe and they disappear into the trees again. But he's not, he's not really spooked or alarmed. So I'm like, I probably missed. Yeah. So I give him a few minutes, kind of collect myself. It happened quick, thinking through the details, what I remembered. And that's very important, by the way, because we could tell ourselves so many different stories of what happened. But you really got to collect yourself after moments like that. So I go up, I'm looking at the ground. I don't see the arrow. Hmm. And then what if I hit him? So I take a few more steps looking at the ground. Sure enough, there's a little bit of blood. Hmm. So I know I hit this buck. And now it's like, it's now it's go time. Like I have to recover this deer. It just different mindset. Yeah. Go through the timber, sneaking very slow. I see the doe. I see, I see a forked horn, same one mm -hmm. I've been run off. I don't see him. Mm. I'm like, did I get lucky? <laughs> yeah. And then Sneak no one in there. No, yeah. I didn't oh. No, his head's up. Oh, and, uh, I don't see the dropper. All I see is this five point side yeah. on this side. Yeah. Still, still, still good didn't enough. Know, still didn't know he's a dropper. Yeah, he looks so, great. That <laughs> yeah. It looks work. like an elk on that side. How he, I know. Um, so, uh, I knew I'd hit him and I took a quick shot opportunity when I had it. Mm -hmm. And so I took a longer shot, like a 75 yard shot, because at that point, if you injure an animal, you yeah. want to get another arrow on him yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. And I missed. Okay. Um, it was a quick shot and also I wasn't bubbled in. Mm. And so for people that know when you're shooting on steep, steep side slopes, if you didn't look at that bubble, your arrow is going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And it did that. Mm -hmm. So he takes off. I go up there and there wasn't a ton of blood at all really to deal with. And after he'd run, there was a little bit more and I'm dropping onyx pins to try to map where he's headed and it's running out of blood. I'm getting later in the day. It was noon. Like how much blood were you finding? Um, kind of looked like, uh, kind of looked like maybe I hit an artery mm. and it looked like every time he went over a log, there was a smear mm. and then it kind of quickly changed over to drops. Mm. So I knew it wasn't a fatal hit. It wasn't a body hit. Right. It was something low. And, um, usually you could tell a lot from a blood trail and I'm going to talk a little bit about that maybe on this story. Yeah. So hopefully you're still, still <laughs> following along here. Um, so the blood ran out mm. and it was about 3 PM and I'm realizing that at this point in the dark timber, I'm not going to be able to really get a good shot opportunity if I, if I bump him. Mm -hmm. And so instead I kind of, I dropped down into some bluffy steep stuff and was zigzagging to try to cut like a blood spot to be able to track, you know, where I could go for the next day. Yeah. And that was my game plan was like, I know he's not fatally hit. I know mm -hmm. it was probably not, a, it was something enough to follow, but not a great hit. And, uh, he'd be alive the next day. Like I knew this for certain. So, um, it's almost dark and I, I peel off and I go back to my tent. I text my dad. I had one bar service, text my dad. And I'm like, Hey, uh, this is what happened. Told him the full story. And he's like, Hey, if you had something to go off of, I'd help you, but you don't. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow maybe or whatever. But mm -hmm. next day goes, I wake up right at daylight. I'm hiking through the timber of all things. My dad and I meet up. Mm. And so I tell him the story again and I explain to him in great detail what I'm planning to do now. And I'm like, I just have to find this buck. And was um, he camped up there too in a different place or did he walk place, in different okay. place? Yeah. And it just so happened. We crossed paths. Mm -hmm. We didn't plan it. Yeah. And so I explained the story and he tells me kind of again, like, Hey, if you had something to go off of, and then us together are going to make double the sound, double the noise. Yeah. We had never really work out. Right. 
And what stands out to me is that I described a, a process of looking for the buck that did not match what I ended up doing. Mm. And I was telling him how I thought, you know, maybe if an, if an injured animal wanted to go bed by itself, it would go out in a flat. Mm -hmm. And so I described, I was going to go start gritting a flat and hopefully I jump this deer and get another arrow in it. And I didn't do that. I went back to the last blood mm -hmm. and I get down on the ground and I'm just, I'm just doing every like forensic work mm -hmm. to like, where did this thing go? And he took a slight turn from where I'd last had blood. And so I followed another 30 yards. And then sure enough, it's like I'm on the tracks. And was there snow or just in the no snow? Okay. Just dark timber, pine right. needles, okay. like nothing. Every once in a while, there's a smear on a log. So yeah. I had already assumed I hit low leg, leg yeah. for him to be, to, for him to have rolled away. I mm. had to have cut something low. Yeah. So that next, so after that, after I split up from dad, I got on that blood, followed it, dropped another pin. Sure enough, I had a line now of where he probably went. And I dropped down into some more cliffs and I zigzagged again for another hour and a half, come back up to a spot where I had left off to go into the cliffs, go over a ridge. And I'm looking down through some big old growth timber and I see movement, pull up my binos. And I'm like, holy crap I, i'm shaking i'm <laughs> yeah. freaking out in my mind already and it was him and mm -hmm. not only that i had not seen the dropper until that point and the sun's coming through the timber and it's like glowing yeah. it's like shining and i'm like <laughs> i never saw that like what yeah. the heck this is got to be the same buck it's like yeah. a chocolate antlered we don't have a ton of bucks that would resemble this frame mm -hmm. this is an anomaly like i don't i pick a lot of sheds i brought some they don't look like that the bucks 40 yards and I'm thinking like, that was a God thing. He brought this buck right back to me. Like, how is that possible? Like, this is gonna happen. I'm super confident. Buck puts his head down and he puts his head behind a tree. I draw back, I pin in. And then I have this habit when I'm shooting downhill to keep my finger behind the trigger on the release. Mm -hmm. And then um, it's one of those things I don't think about. I just do it because it feels more secure. Mm. And then, so I bring my finger around to touch it and I move off target like mm. off the buck. Why? That reset. Have you ever you. done it? <laughs> it kind of goes back to like, you know, the target panic thing that we touched on. Yeah. You, you, you're afraid of touching that trigger. So like with instructing archery, you talk to people about this. Yeah. When you come back to full draw. Put your finger. If back. you're aiming with your finger behind the trigger, you're just wasting time. Yeah. Because time yeah. at full draw. You got to re-aim then. Time yes. that you're fatiguing. So yeah, you bring your finger around. It's like when you do that, that just resets everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah like what he's saying, he's on the buck pinned in, he brings his finger around and now he's, he's right. reset. So you're he's off. Come so back in. like normally when people aim, they, when they restart, they come back down from the top. I don't know if you come from the top, top or the bottom or top. side. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, once you aimed one time with your finger behind the trigger, then you come around, then you got to come back up off the animal to come down again. Right. Essentially. Kind of resets well, your breathing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was behind, I was be, my finger was behind the trigger, but the pin was perfect. Like I was, my brain was saying, this is when you touch off. Yeah. But it wasn't ready. That would have been, that yeah. would have been if the finger's on the other mm -hmm. side. Yeah. Yep. And so in the process of coming in front, I move off target just enough, but I yeah. was already committed. My brain oh, was already saying right. you're, you're squeezing the trigger. Shoot. Yep. Yeah. So that's when I touch off and I see my arrow going towards this giant limb on an old growth tree Oh no. and ricochet. And then all I see is arrow flying over the top of the buck's back, like cartwheeling over its back. Oh, and I just, no. I just like fall in a heap. Yeah. And buck tears off. Yeah. Like nothing was wrong, right? Did, tears so off. You probably heard the arrow hit the limb. Yes. You just, didn't, did you hear two hits? I did not. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I was convinced, absolutely convinced 
that I did not. That you missed. That I missed. And you're yeah. probably ready to crawl in a hole. Oh. I, I wanted to. I mean, I was flooded with like, how many times have I screwed up on that same shot? Yeah. You know, shooting downhill on mm -hmm. a big buck mm -hmm. back when I couldn't, didn't know how to cut yardage. Like right. there's an evolution of archery and, and learning that has taken place to get to a point where now I can do it. Mm -hmm. But I reverted to some old habit that was yeah. deep in my brain. And I wish I did not have that old habit. And it it's, happened. It's adrenaline. It's like you see the drop time. There's so much, so much that you're so close to an animal, like a once in a lifetime animal. Yeah. You your brain so does. Bad. Yeah. You've been dreaming of that moment. It, your brain does crazy things. And I was also on that, like that super intense mode that we get into where mm -hmm. it's like, I am, tra I'm tracking to kill something. Yeah. Like it's like this mindset switch. So I was like hyper-focused on just like, this is a dead buck. And so when I fall down, I was just completely like, that's over. Yeah. And I had the thought of like quitting bow hunting <laughs> every time, just picking up the rifle. Yeah. No. Um, I just was like, wow, like that happened so fast and I don't get that back. Yeah. I screwed up. Screwed up. I, I, I've screwed up a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. This will never happen again. I've had that feeling myself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it hurts. the thought, the <laughs> thoughts, the two thoughts that came to mind is one, what if I can find him again? Mm -hmm. The other thought is I probably screwed up. I'll never see him again. I could also just go look for another buck. Yeah. But I was more on the camp of like, oh, this is a giant. I saw that dropper. Mm -hmm. He might, what if he's just down the hill hundred yards back to feeding? He yeah. didn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. He had no idea I was there. So I go with the option A. Yeah. Maybe he's right down there ready to be shot again. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I sneak down the ridge about 20, 30 yards and I'm looking through the timber waiting, nothing. So I sneak back real quietly, look for my arrow. I don't find it. Mm. And I'm like, huh? I kind of saw it flip over his back and I'm looking down through the trees, don't see it. So go back and I kind of sit down in the, in the timber again and I'm looking down, just hoping I catch some movement. Maybe he's down there chasing a doe around something, nothing. I'm seeing a game trail that zigzags down through this old growth timber, really, really steep hillside, nearly vertical. And I'm almost making it up with my eyes, but I'm like, that looks like the buck ran on that trail. Like a scuff mark scuff or something. Mark. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I have to go down there and look at that. Mm -hmm. Go down. Absolutely. I'm like, this is the buck's tracks. Mm. I followed it maybe two steps and it goes off to the right, off the trail. Now mm. it's going straight down. Like yeah. tracks splayed out type of running and yep. running buck. Yeah. Yep. And it's going like straight, absolutely down, like free yeah. fall that's down. Not, that's not normal. Not normal. Mm -hmm. No, usually he would have kept going the direction he was headed. Yeah. Hit a trail, stayed on it. Yep. 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 So uh, maybe I take 20 more steps and I look from behind a tree. My buck was laying down, unable to move, basically dead. Mm. And... It didn't add up. Mm -hmm. All I knew is like, I could have gone the rest of my life knowing that that buck was fine. Yeah. That I had not hit him. Right. Turns out he's laying on the ground. I'm not going to ask him what's going on. So I load <laughs> another arrow. Again. I load another arrow and absolutely shoot him again. He's now he's like down, down. I run back up to uh, the top of like a little mountain peak where I wanted to text my dad to tell him what happened. Cause I'd just seen him that morning. Yeah. I get a text and it says, I just shot a monster. <laughs> From Wyatt. From here. Wyatt. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and what did I do? Uh, I called you and made like no sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> he calls me. So I'm like freaking out because I shot, you know, a big buck. And uh, I had just sent that text and he calls me within like 
you know, immediately. Like, yeah. I can't believe my text even sent. <laughs> and it's also surprising that we both had service at this time. Yeah. We're, yeah. You know, some nasty stuff. But anyways, yeah, he calls me. He's like, dude, I just, I, I killed a huge buck too. He's, he's got a drop time. He's like, I saw the drop time yeah. before I drew back. I saw the drop time. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I was like out of my mind. A little bit. Like, okay, it's bit, It's got a drop. How big is it? He's like, I don't know. Like his frames like one thirties and then he's got a drop time and other points. And Had you even went up to him yet? Didn't you touch it? No, he tells me that he's I'm like, like, he's like he was just like dead. So I walked away and then at the, in the closing shortly after of our conversation, I'm like, well, make sure he's still there. Good yeah. luck. Really? Yeah. He, yeah. Rolled a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, did you just want to share it with somebody? Cause it's like, so well, your emotions were so up and down and then, yeah, I, I know Even that I called Wyatt cause like we, we keep up, but um, it's usually at like the closing of a hunt, closing of a yeah. day or at the yeah. end of it, heading home, checking yeah. in. Sure. Yeah. But uh, also I, I it, shot a monster. Didn't mean a monster was dead. Like I didn't know your story. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just happened to have gotten that text from me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just called. Pretty I crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're excited well, to share it. What, so... I guess the premise to all this is you made a film off this. This is what is I, I love about this story is you can, people are going to be able to, to share in this experience. I mean, you can hear in your voice and in your storytelling, you're way more animated than why it is, which is awesome because it makes great stories, but you make films also the Indicott films you mentioned on YouTube and uh, you know, you've been doing it now for a couple of years, but when you sent me the link to this, to this hunt, this film off you and Wyatt's success, you know, I've, I was telling Wyatt earlier, but I've seen so many hunting movies. You know what I mean? Most of the time, even if they're amazing, I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. Let's get to it. Let's go, go, go. Yeah, and then, but with, hard. but sometimes with this one, I have to artificially inflate drama. Yeah, yes. Flash sometimes. Flash. But with this one, for whatever reason, because it was a different, you know, maybe I'm biased because it's blacktail. I don't think so. These are giant bucks for almost any species. But uh, just the storytelling and the emotion and the uh, um, the authenticity of what's going on. You calling Wyatt White in his tree stand after he had killed or shot his buck. And he wanted to give it a little bit of time. And just how it was presented, how you put it together as a film. I mean, yeah, it's not the most incredible over-the-shoulder shoulder kill like we want. But it's a story that you're engaged in. And I was like sitting on my phone watching the whole thing and caring about every second. There was no like, oh, you know, sometimes you can skip ahead 10 or 15 yeah. seconds. You're like, okay, I, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to watch and absorb every second of, I think it's about 10 minutes, right? Yeah. And it's just, you did such a great job on putting the story together. And, this, and these bucks are once in a lifetime bucks for any blacktail hunter and you guys shot them at virtually the same time. Basically same time, yeah. And shared the experience, and we get to see it now. Yeah. And so I'm like, I know you guys wanted to wait for the full draw film tour. I'm like, I'm lobbying no, no. <laughs> How can we say no to Let, that? Let's get this out right now, because I just love it. And it's it's just bow hunting at its, at its realest and most passionate. And that's, oh. why, that's why we do it. And, that is an and, insane buck. Yeah, so Wyatt's buck, it, your buck was 148. Wyatt's buck is just this giant, you know, people will watch this, but if they're just listening, it's just a giant heavy, the mass goes out, it's just crazy. It's a four by four 
with kind of a split eye guard on the one side. Um, you know, out west here, we don't count the eye guards when we say what the buck is. So he's a four by four with eye guards, a split brow on the left side, but just the mass is insane. And he's got, you know, he's been rubbing on trees. He's got pieces of trees stuffed in his burrs down there at the bottom yeah. of his base. But the mass so cool. that carries out is, is incredible. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glasses, all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. I, we take this one at 154 and 7 eighths, you know. Of course, it's highly unofficial. I mean, I feel like we run a decent tape, but just yeah. for a frame of reference. We don't, I mean, I... He's 20 and quarter inside, 22 inch main beams. He's got just, I guess, proportions yeah. on a black tail that you don't usually yeah, think usually about, see that. you know. We don't live and die by scores. We do it so yeah. everybody wants to know about what the buck sure. is, a reference type thing. And it's like, so that's 150, two, four? 154. 154. Yeah, that's what we came up with. Yeah, just a giant black tail. Both giant black tails. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, phones can do a good job of distorting. Yeah. So I think anymore, the only reason I care about scores is because I just want to know how big it is. Yeah. Because I can't trust a photo. Reference. It's a good frame. It's a yeah. baseline frame of reference. But mm -hmm. yeah, one thing with black tail we've talked about quite a bit is it's like, and you'll agree with this. I mean, with the buck you killed this year, it's a three by four, but it's like, there's so much about blacktail that isn't score. Score yeah. doesn't make up a buck. It's just yeah. like some of them, you might kill a three by two that has the same frame as this and mass. It's huge. It, it's just, it's awesome. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're just special bucks. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's because we grew up with them, but just how sneaky they are, how rare it is to see them. I don't know, man. There's just something about the character that each one of them has that score is kind of thrown out the window sometimes. But it yeah. is. It's, uh, you know, and where you guys are hunting up there, it's like wilderness bucks. We never know what's going to show up, you Very know, what's going to be pushed fun. out of the wilderness because of the snow. So that just in general, like to hunt the snow line up there because how many miles is it from the highway to like the base of the South sister? Is it 30, how far? 20, 30 miles? Yeah. There's or, um, not the South sister, but all the sisters. So it's like, there's say 20 or 30 miles. But when that snow comes in, they get pushed down to whatever the snow line is. So if the snow snow line is, you know, up maybe a mile up from the highway, and all those bucks from twenty or thirty miles is pushed down in that in that strip along the snow line, man, you you don't know what's going to show up. Yeah, that's the exciting part. Yeah, and we killed both of these bucks with. I don't think you could climb high enough to find snow. It was. Yeah, tough conditions. Pretty, tough conditions. Pretty dry. Yeah. yeah. So the snow hadn't come yet. No. Okay. Normally, I mean, when I've been up there, it's always like we always want to hit that snow line. Correct. You know, killed bucks there doing that. But yeah, it's still the wilderness. And sometimes it, it's, you know, it's big country. So those deer could be, but when you find pockets of them, man, it seems like it's good hunting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where your tactics, you know, you said you didn't really have a tactic, but you were... Not necessarily still hunting because still hunting, like most people who talk about old school still hunting is you're out there, you know, it's a step and then you're looking, 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 looking. It might be a minute, then another step. Hmm. Looking, looking, look. That's like. That's pretty that's boring. The, that's the, that's the definition. I that's guess, very, still hunting. 
But when, like, when Boyd Iverson, do you remember yeah. Boyd Iverson? So he had, you know, Blacktail Trophy Tactics was his book back in the day. He was like the Blacktail legend when I was growing up. Yeah. That's what they talk about. That's how you still hunted Blacktail mm. because his, the cover is so thick. But you put another twist on it. You're hunting bigger timber country Huge so you can see and you're hunting for miles. So, yeah, you can't take a step every minute when you need to cover 10 miles that day. Correct. Because there's <laughs> not, not going to work. There's not very many deer. No. But once you get to them, like you said, when you get to a spot that had sign yeah. and you could see it, then then you dial it back, slow down, and now you're hunting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's that, I think that's a uh, great tactic you have and being in good physical condition helps that pay off to where you can be in the most rugged mountains you know for for blacktail really there are and be fine get up there be in the game hunting um you know still have all the emotions every normal hunter has but because you've just you know kind of honed your body to do that type of hunting you're gonna make it happen yeah and uh then on wyatt's story you had I, I, I'd like you. Another thing you said, Nathan, is you didn't have really a plan. You just, you know, because you didn't have your trail cam pictures, the buck you were going after. Roy used to say sometimes, he goes, When I don't know what to do, I just get out there. That's what I was doing. I just <laughs> get, you know, you can overthink all sorts of shit. Just yeah. get out there. And when you're out there, anything can happen. Yeah. You got to put yourself out there in the game. And uh, that's what you saying that reminded me of. But so why your story is a little different because you yeah. scouted this out. And you you were in a tree stand. Yeah. And to touch on, you know, what you just said, it's like you have to be out there. Mm -hmm. It takes me back. I've, there's there's specific footage of yours that I watch like every year when it's when November's rolling around. And it's that I think it's I don't know if it still is at the time. I think it was your best buck, that big four by five you killed in yeah. 2013. Yeah. 54. Yeah, 54. It's like you're the free, you know, the pre-roll interview leading up to that morning. You're like, we sat here yesterday. We didn't even see one deer. Yeah. He's like, so how are you pumped? Yeah. Or maybe I think it's after you killed the buck. You're like, we didn't see a deer. Yeah. He's like, we're just kind of after this one buck. Well, that buck ends up coming by and, mm -hmm. you know, you just pound him at 15 yards or whatever. That was real similar to mm -hmm. this kind of how I was looking, looking at this for, you know, leading into this season, always scout as much as I can but I mean the last four years of my life I have like you know lived on the road working construction out of town all the time so it's like my time to scout's been limited you're trying to balance the family thing but yeah one day this summer I'm like just freaking out because you know the the feeling you get when it's you feel like you're not putting in enough work I'm just like I have got to get I told my wife Shelby I'm like I have got to get in the mountains somewhere I've got to go check something out, hang a camera, I gotta do something. So I just go up and I, I ran up to an area I hadn't been to in a long time and it'd probably been almost almost 10 years. And I'm like, I'm, I don't, I'm gonna go see what's up there. So I went up and I hiked up in there. I'm like, man, there's, you know, there's a fair amount of deer sign in here. So mm -hmm. I had a camera in my pack and I threw it out on this bluff and <clears throat> um, months went by and I come back one day, I was on my way home from, from work I took a you know alternate route, came up and I, I stopped in there and checked that thing, hiked in after dark. It was Halloween. It's coming mm. home for Halloween for mm. the kids. And I come in there and I check it. Well, I had screwed up the settings or something, you know, like he talked about. It <laughs> always seems to happen with trail cams. So yeah. I had put it on video mode, but my delay was was way short. And then there ended up being way more deer in there than what I would have figured. So I had I had like two weeks worth of worth of videos mm -hmm. and that was in July and then it filled up. 
So that's all I had to go off of. And I'm oh. like, man, there was some deer in here. Yeah. There's a few good bucks. And it's Halloween now. So it's there's a big gap between July and Halloween. But I'm like, well, if they were here in the summer, I bet you there's there's a couple of bucks in here that probably hang around. Maybe one yeah. of those will come through. So reset the camera. And then fast forward a couple of weeks, I ran back up there. I checked the camera. I didn't hardly have, you know, hardly anything. A few does, hmm. a couple bucks, not that buck. So then we got like one more week until season starts. So that uh, that weekend, you know, a week before season started, me and my buddy Ryan were up and we kind of we kind of partner up and run cameras together. He's kind of my apprentice, I guess you could call it. But yeah, uh, he helps me run trail cameras in some areas and stuff and hang stands. And um, we made our rounds that weekend, checked a bunch of cameras, hung some stands, putting in the work. Still didn't have a game plan. It's looking pretty slow, man. We're griping about, man, normally we'd be hunting this weekend. You know, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, Then it goes all the way around, and I have the Friday off before season starts because we're off for for Thanksgiving. And it feels like a travesty to not be able to be bow hunting on Thanksgiving. But you know what? Whatever. We're out scouting. So we go up there, and we check all of our cameras again. We hung one more stand. We have a game plan. There's one There's one spot that's got a big buck in it, and I'm thinking that's where I'm going to sit. So we run over. I got one more left to check, and I got to drive to a different area. And we get over there. We hike up in, and I get to the camera, and I'm packing a tree stand with us just in case. And I'm flipping through. Kind of the same, except Thanksgiving morning, there's one picture of a buck, and he's going like straight away from the camera out into this bluff. And he's a ways away from the camera, but I'm like showing him. I'm like, dude, what do you think? I'm like, that looks like a big buck mm-hmm. you know he's like yeah it, it looks it looks like a giant so then now i got one i hung a stand and now i got one one night to decide where where am i gonna be in the morning yeah. so i'm like you know what dude you go hunt where that other big buck's at that looks like a slam dunk but i'm like i just have to you know i have to hunt the mystery i have mm-hmm. to chase I, it looks like there's a giant here. i gotta try it got one photo of him to go off of so opening morning get there i gotta leave my house at like three in the morning I get up there, hike in. I sat, sat daylight to dark. I did have a buck come through, which gave me a little bit of hope. Headed back down the mountain that night, and it takes forever for him to get back to me. And he calls me. He's like, dude, that big buck came through. And he said, I mean, he's a newer bow hunter. He's killed some bucks. But he's like, that thing, that buck came through, and oh, I missed him. And, you know, oh, then no. I'm just like, gosh, you know, part <laughs> of me sour because I'm like, man, I I, I should have picked that spot, you know, yeah. because he's 130 inch four points. How far a shot? 40. It was, it was just a poke out of a yeah, stand. Yeah, out of a stand. It and he's like got to sit there and for five minutes chasing yeah. the doe around before he gets a shot right at dark. Anyways, he missed it. So then I'm like, man, am I, did I make a mistake, you know, just trying to hunt this mystery buck, whatever. But then I'm like, no, he needs to kill a good buck. Like, mm-hmm. Good for him. I'm glad. I'm gonna, just going to keep cutting it out. Mm-hmm. Then... We're headed back up the next morning, and we're chit-chatting on the phone. It's 3 in the morning, headed up the mountain. He's like, bud, you know, if you ever talk to him, that's that's his signature Mm -hmm. thing. Bud, I just got a feeling. I think that buck's going to come through for you today. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm going to – we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I get up there, settle in, and I'm sitting there, and it's – I'm real paranoid about – getting settled in like way before daylight. So I'm in there probably an hour before it's even. You're paranoid about being too late. So you'd rather be too early. I want to be early because I want to, 
no matter how sneaky you are, it just feels like yeah. getting into a stand. You just you're, pushing you're up stuff. there. You're just disturbed in the woods. So I like to like get in their way early, mm-hmm. give time for the for everything to be normal in the earth to settle back in. So I get in there and I'm sitting in my climbing stand and I kind of just you know I fall asleep. I sleep for a little bit. And I wake up and it's just barely cracking light and I'm looking around. So as it's cracking light, I decide I'm like, I'm gonna call a little bit. So I have this this doe bleak can call and I tip that over a couple times and I grunt a couple times and I'm sitting there just motionless aside from making the calls. And I thought I heard something. It's so quiet. The conditions are tough. It's like I should be able to hear these deer coming. And I hear something, I'm like, hmm. So I turn. And there's a buck. I couldn't see what he was. I could just see his back end. And he's just slipping away from me. And he goes off into the Viney Maples under the North Slope. Mm. So I'm frustrated because I'm like, if I wouldn't have been screwing around, <laughs> you know, trying to call, he probably saw me because it's real steep. He comes from above yeah. me. I'm like, he must have seen me moving around. And he's just slipped off. And that's right at daylight. So I'm frustrated about that. But I settle back in. I got 10 more hours of this. So, um, I rattled a little bit, and then about 8.30, I picked up the horns. The sun came around. It's just starting to light the hillside up there. Knocked the horns together a little bit. I turned around and hang them back up, and I sat back down. You know, after you rattle, you're real attentive, and I bet 20, 25 minutes goes by. Nothing, nothing's coming in. So it's like I'm kind of reset back to where I'm thinking nothing's, nothing's coming into the rattling session. And then I hear, I hear some crunching up above me, and I'm like, I look up there, and it's, it's, there's a big kind of wall of, it's all old growth timber, but the trees are stacked fairly tight right there. And even though I'm 30 feet up, it's so steep, I'm looking to my left and uphill. Mm. So I'm looking up there, and I'm like, I, that's got to be a deer. So I stand up, and I turn my GoPro on, and I'm looking, and it's like you catch that movement. I catch a a flash of brown going through the trees. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a deer. And I see an antler flash. I'm like, okay, it's a buck. So then I'm grabbing my bow and I get my release. And he he comes around this big old growth tree. And he's 30 yards at this point, maybe less. And then, you know, I see him. I see him. You know, he, he comes around the tree like that right there. Mm. And uh, hmm. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, which, I know which one that is. And now he's he walks up and he stops behind this old growth. And I'm just tense. I got my, my releases on the string and I'm just ready. And I can peek out and I can see you and I can see his back end behind the tree. And he, there's, his head's blocked, so I'm just watching him. And then as soon as he starts to move, you know, I'm trying to time my draw right. As soon as he starts to move, bam, mm-hmm. I come back to full draw. And he's coming down the ridge, not really on a trail. Well, he hits this crossing trail, takes a hard left, and now he's going to come, you know, he's going to come right by me. And this trail's like, 10 yards mm. he comes walking across that trail and i got to make a hundred decisions that fast but you're trying to anticipate okay where's my shooting lanes there's a shooting lane of the next one if he walks through that one he's got to walk 10 more yards before he's in another one so he's walking but man he's quartering to me do i shoot him quartering to god he's so close if i try to do anything you know or he, anything could happen that was close. the wind coming down the wind wasn't doing much. It was oh. really unpredictable, just still. Yeah, because when they're that close, I'm always worried about yeah. being busted by I the mean, wind. I mean, you're swinging, you brush against yeah. something. doesn't they, take much. They freeze, and now you're stuck at full draw, or the wind, they blow out. So it's like, it's that close. I'm going to pound him quartering two. You know, mm-hmm. I'm shooting a big Grim Reaper, four-blade mechanical. It's, it's going to tear him up. So anyways, all that, all that goes through my head that fast. I give him a burp. 
and he stops and he just, you know, everything's so quiet. He hears that and he just locks him up. And man, I just pulled the click in my release and my pins just buried on him. And, you know, I felt so confident, it broke and it smacked him. I heard that click on the video. Yeah. Did yeah. he, did, do you guys ever worry about the buck hearing that? Well, he doesn't mess with that. You got a thing. trigger release, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I remember on that, I heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's more audible, probably right up next to the probably, microphone. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just know I, that I was in the tree stand this year, and if I would have my hands in my pockets, if I just put my hands deeper in my pockets, the deer would be like, yeah, they would hear my hands yeah. in my pockets. Yeah, <laughs> just sliding. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's crazy how good they can hear. They're hearing yeah. insane. But yeah. with that click, it's like if they're hearing that they're it's probably too late for them at that probably point. yeah and, and it's who knows they probably was like it would take them a minute to register they would have it. to look up yeah. and see you and then be like yeah that's probably danger and in that amount of time he's got mm -hmm. an arrow through his lungs so mm -hmm. yeah anyways you know nine yards yeah it's tough to screw it up but i have done it before but uh <laughs> anyways yeah i hit him right there tight to the shoulder but quartering two mm -hmm. knowing that and he you know in the video you can see he runs into the frame of the camera and you just see this great big wide buck run out into the bluff. Yeah. I'm watching him run away just like, oh. and I can remember seeing about, you know, seven eighths of my arrow hanging out the offside of him as he's you running away. It. I think you can see it you if you have it. high enough resolution and big enough screen. But yeah, he goes running out through that bluff, but he made it through the bluff. And mm -hmm. at that point he's gone a hundred yards. That's what I saw. Yeah, I like, so I'm like, ways. then there's almost the regret the second guessing of like, man, I should have let him yeah, walk through force that it? gap and then shoot him at 15 or 20 yards quartering away. But I'm like, no, you made that decision. He's going to be dead. Mm -hmm. Just sit here and take it in. So yeah. I sat there and I gave it, um, you know, with that shot, it's, it's fatal. Like they're dying. I mean, yeah. I took out that minimum. Did you get your, I can't remember. Did you get your binos up when he was running? Could you, no, could, I just, just sat there. Just watched, just watched so him. Could you see the arrow hanging out though? I could see it. Yes. Naked oh, eye. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes you feel better. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, and I could see, you know, when that shot broke, it felt perfect. Hit right where you Hit wanted. Hit right behind the pin. Okay. You know, it's just, it, it yeah. I knew he was dead. Yeah. Perfect. It's just like, well, with the nature of that shot, it can take him a little bit longer to die. Because sometimes you only get one lung, mm -hmm. you're counting on the liver, and then you're crisscrossing the diaphragm and going out through the gut. It's pretty deadly. It, yeah. It's devastating, but they, they can live a little bit longer because it's not the instantaneous mm -hmm. double lung. So I'm just like, oh, I'm in this tree, so I'm just going to sit here. And I had I pulled up my phone. I got a bar service, so I sent him that text. <laughs> yeah, he ended up calling me. But yeah, I think I gave it one hour before I actually climbed down, and I just... You know, like you got the shake so bad, and the sun's, the sun's finally you're coming cold, around the, the hill, and you're just like, I'm just <laughs> basking in the glory and just praying, and just yeah. you know, I'm just gonna take this in, and yeah, climb down out of there, and followed him out, and with that high entry and the gut exit, it wasn't you know even with the big, much blood. big massive cut and broadhead, not a ton of blood, but I just you know followed him out to where I saw him last, and kind of made it around the bend of the ridge, and I looked down there, and there's a big bench down there, and. He was laying there, Dang. piled up, and I knew he was a pretty good buck. I mean, I knew he was, he was real good, but even when I saw him down there, I could see that, you know, the bigger four point, well, they're both four points, but that bigger side was up, and I mm -hmm. looked down there at my binos, I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's a good buck. And I go walking down there, and I walk up to him, just like, my goodness, like the proportions on this thing are just yeah. out of this yeah. world. And yeah, it was, it was pretty special. I just, you know, it, 
normally it's not a you don't think of a beautiful day when you're blacktail hunting but man, it was gorgeous weather mm-hmm. and i took a bunch of photos and just you know took it in soaked it soaked it in took it in and then packed them out and man there's you know you talked about the the ruggedness up there it's like yeah i load that whole deer into my pack well you know the whole quartered up buck, yeah which can be pretty dang heavy especially on a big mature buck like that and i had to traverse down through some bluffs i had never been down through which can be mm-hmm. you can pick wrong yeah you can get it can out. be dangerous up there yeah but thankfully i was able to you know get through. i had to backtrack a couple times but yeah Ended up hitting the creek and cutting mm. down through there and, and packing him out. Yeah. Why did a great job to like describing your story, like why it's a great hunter, but filming is hard. Yeah. Like, and also sometimes it doesn't feel like it's can actually work out. Yeah. And I don't know. There was something like he just documented his story. So I just well. decided I was going to, I kind of decided the day before season, I got, you know, footage of us out running around scouting and just talking. And then I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to film this whole thing. I had no yeah. plans of making a film out of you it. You never, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are the odds it's going to work out on the yeah. buck that Yeah, year? not not great. Yeah, I mean, I'm like 90% <laughs> certain that this buck on trail camera is gone. Like, I'll probably never see him again. The nature mm. of that country, you know. Yeah. They're not they always, move. They're Those not deer always, move. Yeah, they're not always resident deer. Yeah. They can be a long ways away. And mm-hmm. I just was fortunate enough to that he came back through. But I guess part of it is, too, like you said, you don't ever know. You never know what's walking around up there. No. And uh, so you never know what's going to come by. But mm-hmm. It was him. He came by. Yeah. You got to be in the tree. <laughs> you don't have to be, but. Yeah, it helps. If you're not, you got to at least be in the woods. Yeah. No, it's, uh, man, those bucks. What's the name of the film? Was um, there a name? Actually, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the Pinnacle. The, the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle, which it has like, it ties back. There's some family ties for me. So, yeah. uh, my uncle Scott Lawson back in the nineties, you know, it seems like, it was like before people killed big bucks, the nineties, I didn't even know were people bow hunting back then. It, it was a primitive <laughs> form, but anyways, he, he killed this. I know buck. Scott. Yeah. He killed this buck back then. And it was maybe you even remember, I remember the buck. Do you remember it? Okay. What, didn't, was there snow in the picture? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember snow that in the picture. It was, it was in so, similar country. It was big. To where I killed this one. Yeah, it's yeah. like 140 inch typical four point. But yeah. he killed that thing and that buck was mounted and we had a lot of, you know, family get togethers and stuff at his house. And anyways, that buck they called it the pinnacle buck. And then mm. any any black tail that anybody in the family ever saw or killed up into that point was always compared always to compared the, to yeah. this this buck, the pinnacle buck. Yeah. So, you know, I killed that buck and I texted him. I was like, I killed my own pinnacle buck. You know? and, <laughs> and then Nathan was talking. He had a name for the film. And uh, I mean, it related to it was a more or less generic, I guess. But I'm like, he's like, do you have any, you have any ideas on the name? Because I had just was just going to go with what he said. But I'm like, yeah. he texted me that. I'm like, you know what, dude? The pinnacle. <laughs> I'm like, it's, we, both, we both killed like these once in a lifetime bucks. We'll probably, mm-hmm. you know, we'll struggle to ever top. I mean, his buck. Even if you killed one that scored bigger, when are you going to kill a perfect four point with a seven inch yeah. drop tine on one side? It's it's like yeah. that's the pinnacle. That yeah. buck right there, it's the pinnacle. Yeah. Up, yeah, up in this steep country. So yeah, it's it's the pinnacle, and I guess it's going to be live. And I made that film for Wyatt when this like, is live. My goal, I told Wyatt on a spring bear hunt, I'm like, dude, film your hunts. Like, yeah. I'll make you a film. I'd love to do it. Yeah. And so that was like a cool opportunity to make Wyatt a film. I didn't plan to be in it. Mm. And it's then so good. and then I I'm, I'm watching his footage. 
and, and the herd bull. The herd bull's in there too. He made it. <laughs> yeah, he made the cameo. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's not too late to <laughs> make some. Uh, no, because he had the keep hammering hat. I got to talk about that too. But um, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, I was telling Wyatt like I really want to make a film for you, and so after I watched your footage, it's like there's no way I can't be a part of this film. Yeah. Like it's not just my story. So like I would, I mean, your story, it's also me in there a little bit. So yeah. Well, the fact that that's you, the coolest part I of filmed, it, I think like yeah. I, he, he, when he called me and he's like, I shot a giant buck. Like it was as fast as I could to get up and get my GoPro turned on. Cause I ended up getting just crazy. Our live, our live, <laughs> our live phone call. Yeah. I got it recorded. So it's yeah. like, that's not, we didn't go back and re-record nothing like that. So that's funny. what makes it so good. How so it happened, funny. So. I made like no sense, but <laughs> it almost works in the yeah. film. It almost works. Um, that's great. One other thing uh, is Cameron Saxon wanted to be known that he came up with the name because he told you that on Evan's buck and he planted that seed. He just wanted me to he tell did, you. He wants to take credit for it. Ryan Pollard wants to take credit for it. Because yeah. Ryan was like, Saxon, like but Saxon. that's the pinnacle. But I, Saxon and I, his. And he his, did your buck. Huh? He did your bucks. I know. Let's bring yeah, it up. Bring, bring it up. up. Yeah. So he just dropped this off today, so we'd have it. So uh, yeah, here's here's my buck. But Cameron Saxon, yeah, he's we all know him, we all love him. He's uh, yeah, he's the the funniest guy. I mean, Seriously. he's hilarious. He should yeah. be a stand up. He, he's so good. Just the com- stuff he comes up with, and you're like sitting there, like looking at him, going. How do you come up with that? <laughs> he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. But yeah, he got my butt cleaned up quick. He just picked it up the other day and yeah. got that boiled out for me. But no, Cameron, we love you. Yeah, he had a name for his uh, skull business. What the heck was it? <laughs> Bargain Boils. <laughs> he just told me that last Bargain night. Boils. Yeah. Bargain hey, Boils Skull Creation. He doesn't want me to, to promote him, but we're going to promote yeah, him. Oh, him. hell yeah. Bargain Boils. No, he talked about, didn't he work for, uh, who did he work for? taxidermy for a while oh he's worked with zane yeah 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 i mean zane kills it on blacktail too yeah Zane. we gotta we gotta promote zane he's that's who mounts our bucks yeah he's no we're not promoting him because i called to see if he'd boil that out he's too busy (laughs) yeah he's not gonna mess with skulls anymore but if you got a shoulder mount (laughs) no i'm kidding he's probably really polite about it no he's he's never done he's never done anything for me but i've heard great things about him what's his business called it's backcountry creations taxidermy but it seems to just be zane smith yeah, yeah, he does. It. So we can so say herd bull, herd bull. Um, yeah, I, I guess I Wayne into Kyle. Yeah, I told my story, but the finisher on it is that after I talked to Wyatt, I went back. I texted my dad and I left him a voicemail, and I was just hoping that he would check it. Yeah. Well, he's got an in reach, and he texted me like I just looked at it, it as like eight, like eighteen times or something. Like where are you at? Send me a pin. And, but uh, all I had said for details is uh, you found a five by five, sh- or you found a five point shed right where I killed this buck. And then about 30 minutes later, dad shows up, you know, like down through the timber. And I'm like, hey, I'm down here. And I like run up, greet him. And um, we go down there and I've worked on a lot of bucks. I've, you know, like you get good at it. Mm -hmm. On Kodiak, for example, you're doing three bucks potentially. And like you get good. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I I can work fast with a knife, I didn't. Mm. I was real slow and it was beautiful weather, like you described, which is so rare. And I have stories just going with dad Yeah. and he's talking the whole time about what it reminded him of and other genetics. And, but this is a freak deer and just how blessed we are to be here together on this moment. And, and like asking him to show me like, how would you take off the hindquarter? I know how to take off the hindquarter, yeah. but like watching dad and that was really neat. And I didn't want that to end. Right. And that was something that I'll always remember. And I have a few hunts with dad that are awesome, spectacular, but nothing like that, you know, yeah. a deer like that. And then with him where he taught me, you know, mm-hmm. he took me the first time. So it's rare. I don't, 
there hasn't been a hunt really where we've shared the recovery mm. up there since I was a kid. Okay. Like 14 years old when I sent you the picture of that buck where I'm hiding the tag on the antler. You're like, yeah. what's underneath your hand? Is that yeah. the tag? I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But that, like, that was one of the last times. Um, really? There's a couple times where we've shared recoveries and pack outs um, over well, the years. E but even that part of the film where you guys hugged on there and like one of your hats got knocked around a little <laughs> bit, but it was just so genuine. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no bigger fan of bow hunting than your dad. Yeah. Wayne, he, you know, that, that moment I guarantee is one of his highlights as well. Yeah. Even though he tried to screw up our podcast today. He killed a buck today. By killing a buck and a bear. <laughs> and, a bear. <laughs> and he's waiting for pack out help I'm right now. Help but, uh, Hang in the tree. See, he, he had to figure out a way for us to talk about him <laughs> on the podcast. But I mean, man, he's good though. He's good yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah. where, where would we be without Wayne and a bear? Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, we're so, I work I mean, for him. Yep. Yeah. I'm so lucky to live to so close. Stepson does he? Yeah. To the bow rack and. <laughs> Because it's such a great, you know, what, what I always say is like, you can have the best equipment. If it's not set up right, you got to overcome that before you can even kill something. Yeah. So we, all three of us, no, you know, being around the bow rack so much, our bows are set up perfect. Yep. Right. So that's not, that's not going to be an issue, but yeah, your dad has built a great business. I was curious, um, how has it been? Uh, you know, Truett mentioned this the other day that I can be, or on his podcast, I could be too intense and he didn't like hunting with me for about eight years. Like, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you could be a little yeah. intense. So how, how is your dad to hunt with? No, not intense at all. Like <laughs> they get along great. They agree on everything. Yeah. You know, My dad's not been intense one day of his life. Yeah. He's um, yeah. No, I love my dad same. so much. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like, you know, I listened to that podcast or that podcast with you and Truett. And there was a lot of things that I felt similar and I could, I could identify with. Um, but also, I mean, he said, thank you. Like, mm -hmm. he's like, you'll look back and thank me later. And that's like, yeah, I mean, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't also think like, wow, my dad has been hard on me at times. Um, I also am very grateful because I wouldn't have the life. I wouldn't have the work ethic and I wouldn't have the drive, the mental determination. And that goes in everything. Mm -hmm. And also I, I forget so, so much of the time that when I'm talking about blacktail hunting and everything, it's like, it's, it's pretty hard. It's probably one of the harder things a person could do in their life is what I do in one day in the blacktail woods. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I live for it. Yeah. There's nothing hard in my mind because if I didn't feel the pain of that day, like it wasn't worth it. Right. Like I want to absolutely grind until, and I leave that detail out because it's so normal because mm -hmm. dad ingrained that in me. There was no, from the time I could, you know, it's like learning to read. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't describe reading hard if you, you know, if you learned it early and you were really proficient at reading, it's like, no, it's just easy. It's like yeah. everybody does it. So anyway, it's like dad taught me like basically hunting as early as I could remember. And so that's something I really am grateful about. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, you and your son have a relationship and you guys identify and grow together on certain things mm -hmm. and um, some things you don't and you're different on, but that's okay. Yeah. And we love each other and we just keep working hard at that. And and yeah, yeah, it's, I, uh, I could go on, on, on and on, but it's, uh, you know, you guys will learn this when your kids get older and, you know, I, I hate to be the guy who's just like, yeah, well, here's what you do. You know, I've been there, done that. I hate that type of person, but I'll just tell you it's, uh, when you're, you know, you're, I think your dad used to say this about me, which is funny, <laughs> but he'd say I was too competitive. No, which is funny coming from Wayne, but <laughs> ultra competitive, Yeah, which is, which is true. I am too competitive. 
<laughs> he's called me his greatest competitor. <laughs> so, so, you know what I'm saying? But what, but the point I'm saying yeah. is like when you're a, a, a dad like that and you have sons, it's, it's hard. It, you, you push your kids very hard mm-hmm. yeah. because that's how you are. So it's hard to know, did I push him too much? Did I, whatever. And you hope that it comes, comes back and you're like, cause you, Cause you do look back as a dad or I know I did. And probably maybe Wayne does too. We were like, God, I was, man, I was pretty hard on that kid, you know? And this is what we do. We love this. A kid doesn't know what he loves yet, but they're, we're pushing them the same to this, trying to be at the same level. So yeah, it's just, I think for people like me and your dad having, um, boys, it's, that's a challenge. It's a challenge knowing how hard is too hard. Yeah. So, and, uh, I was going to say I brought it up with Tanner, but, um, so when I was in the shop hanging out as a kid, that's where I met you. Mm. And I mean, unless you saw me as a younger kid, but I remember you from when I would just hang out at the bow rack and you'd come and shoot your bow and hang out. But early, early on you used to come in and say, Hey Nate, um, you want to go run with Tanner and I? Yeah. And I mean, I could never do that until one day I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was kind of fun just to remember that when I was listening to podcasts with Truett and yeah, um, you well, guys and that competitive thing. I mean, I, I think it's valuable that you would, I mean, I became a good runner mm-hmm. and a lot of my identity as a runner is like, I knew I was decent because I'd run with, I'd run against you before I'd run mm-hmm. against other people and like yeah. it built confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to have that. Yeah. You were, I was used to taking people over there at Pisgah and them like, getting crushed. And then I took you over and I was just like, Whoa, this kid can run. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was evident the first time it's like, you know, you turned into obviously a great runner. I mean, di- ran at Portland state. Did you, were you all American at Portland state? Did you ever get there? I, w- I cracked the top 10 at our conference in our conference. Yeah. Um, the biggest guy, uh, Weber state and NAU were both teams that would go to the national championships yeah. and run against Oregon. And Oregon was one of the best in the nation at distance running. So right. like, no, I've, I've never really been like exceptional at the national level, mm-hmm. but, uh, I would run against some of the best yeah, and, conference. and be in the mix. Yeah. I mean, but point is great, you know, college runner. And, but before all that, we went to Pisgah and, you know, it was <laughs> evidence like, Oh, okay. This kid's got something. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember, yeah, you guys have just been around forever, been around forever, been bow hunting forever. Yeah. And it's, uh, for me, you know, now it, I don't even feel that old, but now I look back, I'm like, you know, been bow hunting as long as you guys have been alive, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And it, it's crazy to see, you know, like I said, it doesn't feel like I'm the old guy, but I'm definitely the old guy. But it's awesome to see you guys, you know, as I said, I keep track. I'm always impressed with the animals you guys are killing. Um, and just for, just because I don't know, but how many bulls have you guys killed? I know we're talking about bucks, but just how many bulls? Uh I started killing them in 2013. I think it took me till I was eight, 18 when I killed my first one, I guess. 17, I, I've killed 11 since then. 11? Yeah, I'm all, probably right around there. Yeah, 11. That's a lot of bulls. Yeah. I mean. All public land. Yeah. I've killed, I killed two in Wyoming. Did you? Yeah. And no, the rest in Oregon? Yeah, the rest have been in Oregon. Yeah. I mean, so killing a bull with a bow is it is an accomplishment yeah and that yeah. is all archery yeah of course that's all we do sure. <laughs> well no it's not all we do oh you guys have talked about rifle hunting but um yeah so killing 
11 bulls with a bow and being young, you know, fairly young, you know, you've been bow hunting a long time, but still young men. That's impressive. It's yeah. you guys are, you know, hard hunters doing it right, dedicated to the sport, not taking shortcuts. Um, it's just a passion that, that I, it reminds me of me drives you guys probably every day. It's like, what else do we think about? Oh, dude, listening, <laughs> listening to you and, uh, you and Kevin, Kevin Akers talking yeah. about it, how, you know, and just you talk about yourself younger. It's, I see, you know, so many similarities and, you know, how I look at life. And it's just like you were, you and Kevin were talking about how like that week before season, we have, week before archery elk season opens up that last, that week at work, you're just like worthless. Yeah. Like, well, you know, what am I doing here? Like, you know, you just, all you can think about is, is going and chasing bulls and man, that's, yeah. that's kind of me. I get into that rut. And I guess that, that, that feels like it's held me back from some things in life career wise, I guess, you know, I've, I've made a success of myself, I guess, but just the, just my life's passion is just bow hunting. It's just, yeah. you know, hunting elk, hunting, doing everything, but man, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah, because you you make decisions in life and you're like, I know for me, I was putting hunting almost above everything. Mm -hmm. And then you, you talk about your professional career, your work career. For me, for years, I'm like, I don't even care what I do. Yep. <laughs> I don't even care what my job is. Yeah. I just know I'm going to hunt as much as possible. And that's not the greatest for setting yourself up for the future. <laughs> no. And uh, then pretty soon, you, you you know, you have kids or you get older and you're just like, oh, my God, I got to. But what, you want to hunt so do? bad that it's I not know. an option. You have you. you so you've got to go chase down a good yeah. job. Yeah. So you can, you know, provide an income for your family and yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, make a living so that you can hunt you know there's yeah it helps you it motivates you in some ways but probably distracts you in others it's it, it's a weird thing to be obsessed with something yeah and i i think that's uh you know it's a the word's kind of a cliche but truly obsessed with bow hunting yeah. and just being out on the mountains and it's just like any anytime you're not there you feel like you're missing something mm -hmm. that's how i feel yeah it's like i I'm just, you know, this is all seems like, I don't want to say a waste of time because I'm around people I love and care about. I'm doing things that are important, but it just feels like I'm missing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that how you guys feel about it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, being out there and hunting and killing stuff. It's, that's, it's real. It's, yeah. it's, it's life and death. It's real. Yeah. It just feels like what my entire, you know, personality and yeah. Is, is like based around, I, I don't know. I don't know how to not do it, how to, how to take my foot off the gas and not be 100% intense about it. It's, yeah, it's hard. Um, what's, uh, you know, you got to get, you got to get up there to help your dad. So I don't want to get too crazy long here, but what, uh, oh, you'll be all right. So we're talking about, you know, your film is what I'm, you know, trying to get you guys to put out. Um, <laughs> been having upload issues with my hard drive in there. Other, we're supposed to have Bo Nichols podcast out today. So I think once we get that fixed, I'm going to have both your guys's out this week and that'll oh, wow. be kind of cool for everybody. But, uh, so with the films and just your, your journey of just wanting to be the best bow hunters and the most adventures you can, what's, what's the goal? Like what's the long-term goal? What would, if you had a, if you could, your dreams would come true. What, what would that look like? Tell me you go first. Sure. If you got any red, go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I touched on it earlier, but, uh, with the film work too, like my outreach, that's really how I view it. Mm -hmm. And the most recent films I made, there's two of them, they're really short and it's titled like more than a hunt for like a series. 
And so what I really want to do long term is continue to hunt with people in a very authentic way. If I make a film, I do. If I if I didn't get it, I don't. Mm -hmm. And show that hunting is more than just that. That I mean, yes, it's the process of killing an animal and packing it out, but there's so much more. And it's that shared experience. You you have such a you have such a tight bond with the people you hunt with. Yeah. And also displaying that in the film. Hmm. So displaying their character. And I hunted with this guy, Joe Stark, this year, and he's just an outstanding guy. Hmm. Served in the military. You know, he's a blacksmith, a bladesmith. And like there's so many great qualities about this guy. And he took a uh, forty what was that? Forty-five seventy? Is that the forty-five seventy lever action? Yeah, and it's it's limited to about hundred yards, hundred twenty yards max. And he made a shot on a buck in the mm. high country with that. And he's kind of talking about it. And we shared this experience and this hunt. And I tried to capture it, but I, I really want people to see how much how rich it is to be out there and share that. And yeah. can I capture it? And I don't tell long stories with my films. I try mm. to make it short. I get a critique the critique's always i want to see more yeah yeah and it's like good. yeah you want to see more up until a certain point and then you're skipping yeah and it's like i don't want you to feel the need to skip through my film so if you want more that's an accomplishment yeah and that means you'll come back for more maybe and hopefully my outreach is that you see there's so much more to hunting mm -hmm. and there's so meaningful and it's rich and it changes your life and it changes the lives of people you hunt with right and also you're eating that and it's you're literally it's literally growing your human body and so that is what i'm passionate about mm -hmm. and i like film but film in, in, in and of itself, it's it's meaningless. Mm. But you have to tell that story, story in a way that makes meaning. And mm. so that's what I love about film work. That's why I even take the camera. I'd be so much better as a hunter. <laughs> yeah. I did not worry about the camera. Right. There's but, been a lot of times watching your film where I'm like, put the camera down and kill that thing. Like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like, I get to hunt longer. <laughs> if well, I, why it's important too is we've all grown up watching films, Yeah. yeah. you know? like reliving those hunts through video. And so it is a hassle, but you don't know who's going to watch it, who it's going to change their life, you yeah. know, and, and ignite something in them. So it's important. It's uh, I do, I hate doing it too, but I just, I just love this life so much that it feels selfish to not share it if we can, if we have the ability. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's, you're doing a good job. What about you? Well, just, the redneck kid from Springfield here. I'm going to yeah. have a hard time, you know, topping his vocabulary and, <laughs> you know, way of presenting that. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, I just, the most important thing for me is to never, uh, just to never, never bastardize the, the way that, that I hunt. I just, mm -hmm. I, I just want to continue, you know, providing a good life for my family and then being able to, to be out there and hunting in a fashion that just that 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 fills me and yeah. you know feels right. I I I don't ever I don't ever want to have to change what I do for anybody else, anything like that. As long as I can continue to you know chase wild places and wild animals and public lands, mm -hmm. that's that's my end goal. I mean I I don't have anything to promote. I don't have, <laughs> I, have I don't Instagram? even have I don't have an Instagram. <laughs> I'm probably your first <laughs> podcast guest without an Instagram. I guess I don't know, but I'm here to promote Wyatt. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah. that's you know what. That's what I did with Roy. Yeah. I promoted Roy. Yeah. Roy didn't care about any of that. No. I would write the articles about him. I'd, you know, get him out there. He was just kind of your attitude too. And I was just like, you know, people need to see what you're doing and, sure. and, and understand, you know, how you look at things. So that's okay. Something, yeah. something Roy said is the hunting field is my mission field. Exactly. And Nate recorded that. And so it's like, had you not had that on film, 
I mean, that's such a powerful, I feel like too, like a lot of my film work, I'm reminded of that statement mm -hmm. and it means film has meaning, hunts yeah. have meaning. So, yeah. anyway. You mentioned Nate Simmons there. I guess when I grow up, I want to be Nate Simmons. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Still if I could, Nate Simmons is somebody that I've modeled my, mm -hmm. my hunting, my hunting system, the way I hunt, I've modeled a lot of it from watching Nate Simmons, you know, yeah. he does fantastic videography, him and, and Randy Rocky, so good. they do amazing film work. I've met Nate a couple times, you know, at the Western Hunt Expo and yeah. just a, such a humble guy, mm -hmm. you know, if I could model my life and myself and my hunting endeavors after him, I mean, quite honestly, yeah, I, you know, if I ended up doing anything like he does for a living, you know, I guess I'd have to start filming some more stuff and caring <laughs> about that. Did but, a great job though. Yeah. Man, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I he, he, Likewise, so much respect for Nate. Yep. Such a stud. And uh, he stayed true to himself this whole time, too. Yeah. Exactly. Stayed true to himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nate, I don't know if you guys listened to the podcast. He did one where he was talking about, like, he charts. I think he holds his bow back for a certain amount of time, like getting ready for season. Yeah. And like he'll hold hold it back just to build those muscles up, hmm. write down how long he could hold, hmm. and just keeps doing, like, this whole process and it's just every night out in his garage, just dedicated to just holding the bow back. And then he would shoot, just do the blind bail shooting, just this whole big thing. But it's all, it's all bow hunting. Yep. It's all just married to this, to the tradition of bow hunting. Yep. And it's, that's what's driven him forever. Yeah. You know, his first bull, I think he killed with his bow was when he was 13. And he was ahead of me for a long time. I yeah. mean, he's killed so many so bulls. So many big so, bulls. Some years three he killed three. Yeah. yeah. Public he, land. Public I know land. he killed giants. Whole Wyoming. Giants. He killed like two and I, you, you could buy that if they weren't sold out, the non-resident in Idaho. So he'd kill two bulls in Idaho and then yeah. one in Oregon. And uh, just, you know, I mean, people probably know the story, but he, uh, you know, his first time ever filming was finding me 12 miles back in the Eagle Cap wilderness. Mm -hmm. well, had to walk all night, never even been there. And I just told him these <laughs> weird directions on how to get through the saddle here, this, this, and that. Then walk across there at first light and you can film me. And I was just like, there's no way this kid's going to be here. He was like yeah. 20 some years old at this time. And sure as shit, I was sitting over there looking at first light opening day. And it's like, that he freaking made it. Yeah. He made it. And then film, we film. You know, didn't get the bull killed on film, we got the buck, buck killed. Yeah. yeah, it was like a... A long shot, like as the deer's leaving, <laughs> yeah. you're like, how did he get I, that arrow in there? Oh, I was, <laughs> was going to say this. Yeah, so somehow, perfect quartering away, went right here, buck straight down the hill, died. Um, but I was going to say this too, Nate. So you talked about, uh, you know, maybe people could say, well, you got lucky on that buck, you know, yeah. getting so many opportunities. Then even the shot seemed like you screwed up. and. And it reminded I drilled me it of, perfectly. I think I left out that detail. Yeah, we it did. Drilled no, it, it drilled the buck. Right. You said he was pretty perfect. much dead. On the ricochet. Yeah. On the ricochet, <laughs> it drilled him perfect. The wedge of the shoulder blade, yeah. like where that comes down, it misses the shoulder blade and drills the buck perfectly. And it had come in at such an angle. Yeah. I think, I think what happened is it just hit that. Hit, and, you popped know, an arrow, out. Hits it and an flips angle, over like his back. The arrow flips. You know, you could say that's lucky, but how many people can, you know, ricochet an arrow? <laughs> no, you, you called that. You called that. Well, I, of course you have to call Bang. it. Like a three-point shot. It's like three-point shot. But like I said, ricochet off the tree and then hit the yeah, buck perfectly yeah. and Watch die this. right below me after I thought well, it Well, what it reminded me of too is because there's times where you do everything right and you don't get it for whatever reason, something crazy happens. And you're just like, that was yeah. my kill. I, yeah. that was it. And 
and bow hunting justice didn't go your way. Then there's sometimes like on that, my Steen's buck, my first good, good deer, I shot, you know, binoculars hanging down in the string, <laughs> shot, ripped my binoculars off, arrow went who knows where. I get another opportunity and hit him good. But it's just like, should I have got another chance? Probably not. I yeah. had, had him at 20 yards straight below me <laughs> and screwed it up. But sometimes, sometimes when it should have worked and it doesn't, sometimes maybe it shouldn't have worked out and it does, it all yeah. evens out in the wash, yeah. right? Yeah, so. and I mean, again, it's like, I know that there's a lot of components of luck in that story and how I told it, but I think more consciously is that as a hunter, you also have to be a good tracker. Mm -hmm. And I think we overlook this all the time. And I hear countless stories from guys that, hey, I think I hit something, I'm not really sure. And they don't know what to do. Right. It's like they've never been in the situation of really yeah. being a good tracker. So I could say that while that was kind of somewhat of a, you know, um, a mishap, I didn't give up. And I knew like I had to keep trying. Mm -hmm. And there was this detective work or forensic work that I went into in order to find that buck and it worked out. Yeah. Now it may not have ever happened that way, but it did. Mm -hmm. And I'm super happy and blessed. It yeah. did. And that should, is, yeah. that is a big part of bow hunting. Mm -hmm. Not every animal is going to go 50 yards and pile up in sight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes it's, any hunting is imperfect. Any killing's imperfect. Rifle hunt, sometimes you got a blood trail on there also. Yep. But with bow hunting, that's a big part of it. Yeah. It's, you know, we, we kill by hemorrhage. We don't kill by devastation. So with, with hemorrhage, they're going to go a certain distance. You're going to have to re figure out how to recover them, how to find them yeah. after that. So it's, it is a huge part of bow hunting is woodsmanship, blood trailing. Yes. Um, you do kind of, you get better at, autopsies pretty much so yeah. you're you're trying to perform an autopsy exactly. without the animal there just by the blood and the arrow yep. and the hair you're finding mm -hmm. and what and, you can remember and that, yeah person. and like you mentioned this also is people do they turn the shot into what they wanted not what not what happened and your mind is so powerful it you're can like rewrite oh, the story i hit it perfect and then it turns out no, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, I've been on a lot. Let's watch of, the film. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> and that's where I'm super thankful on film too, because, um, I mean, I, that bull right there, that giant bull from San Carlos, that one, um, I shot that and Kip said, oh, no penetration hanging out of the shoulder. And I was, I was like, no, I, that thing, I, I smoked it. I hit it perfect. He's like, no, dangling on the shoulder, no penetration. And I'm like, give me the phone. So he, he, he yeah. recorded on the phone. And then I went frame by frame by frame. And when he ran off, the arrow was hanging out, but it disappeared and backed out. Yes. But you create these things in your head and it's hard to know. So film definitely helps yeah. retell the story, but most people don't have film. So you have to be good at not only, and we kind of, we kind of lose ourselves a lot of times. And the emotion. In Africa, they're really good at remembering right where the animal was and knowing right where the arrow is going to go. They're so good at being di being dialed in. I've learned a lot from just trying to absorb that moment because sometimes you shoot and then you get over there and you're just like, God, where now? Where was I? Where was this animal? Yeah. Yeah. And it is really hard because it you don't take those good that good mental image of exactly where the animal was because yeah, it happens so fast one yeah. way or another you need to figure out a way um to stay present mm -hmm. like throughout the like the the animal coming in making your shot whether it's you know i have a little mantra that i just kind of keep repeat to myself especially through my shot process that keeps me 
you know, present within that moment. And I think that that's really important to being a good bow hunter because for one, it's going to help you make better shots. And then it's going to help you, help you see where that arrow hit. I mean, like what's your process? So when I, when I, you know, if, if I have an animal that's in range or getting close to being in range, I'm just talking to myself the whole time, like, do it right, pick a spot, do it right, pick a spot, do it right, pick a spot. And that's what I, I, I try to remind myself of that, just to keep myself from getting whacked out and getting excited and going outside of my body. So, and then that's, that's what I say, if I'm shooting a target, I do the same thing as I am starting to draw my bow. It's do it right, pick a spot, and then I'll come to full draw, you know, and I talk myself through, I said anchor, click and then like that click and my hinge release is my final that's that solidifies everything's there and then from that i just say level and you know pull pull mm-hmm. pull, 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 pull boom and it goes off might have copied it from joel turner <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i think that's so important to to stay present um yeah you just have to figure out a way to do it there was uh i called the bull in for a kid this year a guy he's older than me uh <laughs> It was, he was my camp neighbor. We got to become pretty good friends actually. And I had had to go back over there to pick up my camp trailer the last weekend of season. And he's like, you know, he was striking out. He had hunted hard all season long. And he's like, dude, will you go with me tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. I'm gonna do mm-hmm. it. So we went out there, got this bull to answer. And I'm like, I spotted him I'm like, dude, he's on a ridge right there. I actually got him to answer from the truck, which I don't promote viewing from your truck. <laughs> we had struck out in the first spot and I'm like, you waited 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, you turn off. The yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Out the window. No. The so window. I'm like, well, we stopped. I'm like, okay, I got another spot I want to go to after the first one was dry. But on the way, I'm like, we got to stop here. So we stopped and let it anyways, get this bull to answer. I glass over on the ridge and I'm like, he's right there. You know, he's dude, he's on the ridge. He's by himself. I'm like he's headed, he's headed our way. We're standing mm-hmm. at the truck. I'm like, forget your pack, get your bow. We're going. I know where he's at. So, anyways, we charge in there, and this will relate back to you know staying, staying present. But anyways, thought I knew where the bull was at. We get up there, set him up, drop back over the hill where the out of sight of the bull. I cow call like three times. And next thing I just hear whack. You know, it sounded really. I thought I heard this crack. I can all I can see is limbs shaking after the bull wheeled and left. And I go up there. I'm like what happened? He's like, dude, he was right there 20 yards. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, was it a good shot? I'm like, it sounded good. He's like, yeah, no, it, it felt good. You know, maybe, maybe back of the lungs a little bit. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, we're like, yeah, that's crazy. Can't believe that happened. Last day of season, we go walk up there and we're looking for his arrow. And I look, I'm like, no, it's right there. And it's buried in a tree. And I'm like, I look down at it. I'm like, oh yeah, it looks good. You know, the veins are all, are all covered and stuff. And I go down there to pull it out. And I look a little closer. I'm like, that's not blood. That's like, that's stomach matter. Mm. I'm like, okay. Um, I'm like, you sure? You sure it was a good shot? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, no. Well, you know, it kind of felt like, you know, he might have been quartering two a little bit. And as I shot, I kind of drifted toward the back. And I'm like, mm. okay. But I'm like, well, he was quartering two. And he's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, well, I heard a crack. So you must have got. You must have went in in the rib cage. Yeah. You probably exited through the guts. But so, you know, we, we kind of made ourselves believe that it might have been a better shot than what it was. So either way, we're giving him time. So mm-hmm. we give him several hours. We come back. 
get on the blood trail. Another reason I thought he might've hit him better than just the guts is there was a fair amount of blood. Mm -hmm. So we get there, we follow that for a ways and pretty soon we're out of blood. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, he's going down this draw. We kind of figured where he might be checked off a couple timber patches, not in there. I'm like, he's got to be down further in this draw. We get down there, jump him seven hours later, mm -hmm. we jump him. And, uh, he said, well, what now? I'm like, I don't know. We're going to have to, it's going to take a long time. Like he's not dead. So mm -hmm. he ended up giving it till the next morning, went back in there, gave it a, a final effort and found the bull mm. but he had wow. he had shot him just the way it happened whatever he hit him square in the gut so all that to say being present in the moment and then knowing being real with yourself yeah. where that arrow hits so important yeah. to being a good bow hunter it's just it's, it's it, tough it really can help you yeah it, we we should have given that bull more time than what we did had we known it was just a square, square guts shot. yeah i mean you're hoping probably caught liver and yeah not, we were hoping for that figuring he did yeah I yeah. was confident we'd find him dead. Yeah, when he's saying, you know, maybe back of lungs, you're thinking, okay, worst case liver. Yep. You know, so yeah, I, I understand making that mistake. But it, it and it's tough too because you turn it into what you want. Yep. I mean, it I happens do. all the time. So it's hard to be honest with yourself. It is. Because you work so hard, especially when you've got somebody there that's helping you out. You don't want to be the guy who yeah, I shot, gut shot him, mm -hmm. you know, so no, you're trying to, awful. you're trying to yeah, twist that story better. to make everybody feel better. Yeah, unintentionally. Yourself. Unintentionally. Yeah. It's yeah. not even a plan. No. But, yeah. and then staying present in the fact of seeing the last place they went. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, in Africa, that's so important. Yeah. And I picked that up from, you know, I mean, I guess it's just nature, but I listening to, uh, it's probably bow hunter magazine. Mm -hmm. They're the TV show they had, Bowhunter TV. Yeah. Randy Omer would be on there with yeah. his tech tips. One of his tech tips one time was, or well, I can't remember what his segment was called, but anything Randy says is gold. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to it. He talked, and you'll see that when I shoot this buck in the film, he talked about shooting and then just remaining a statue. Not necessarily like holding your bow up and following through, but shooting and then not moving for one, so you're not alerting the animal of your presence, not pushing it further, and then just standing like a statue and watching your animal run off and then mm -hmm. taking into consideration that every movement it make, what's your arrow look like? Can you see the wound? Where was the last place you saw it? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, he's done it a lot. So yeah. I would listen to him also. Yeah. yeah. It's uh that's one thing about being immersed in the sport too, is where you can learn if, if you have the, like you have to have the, some people, their mindset isn't, um, doesn't lend itself to learning. Mm -hmm. If people think they have all, they know what to do and they have all the answers, yeah. you're not going to learn anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're like always learning, always wanting to get better and have that, like that overcoming. Yeah. And just, you know, just being <laughs> open. That I wanted to just, <laughs> Yeah. Just to be open to like, okay, what can I gain from this? What can I take from this guy? What can I take from that guy? That's how it works. That's oh, how yeah. you get better. Yeah. No. Well, so much of what defines us as humans is our ability to overcome. You yeah. know that. <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, yeah, if we, if we didn't, if we threw in the towel at any point with you name it in life, you know, that's going to be your definition of who you are. Yeah. And humans survived over all of time because they, what overcame something. Yeah. And so when I'm hunting, it's the constant reminder of you have to overcome this. You have mm -hmm. to get, yeah. So what's, you're le constantly learning and yeah, overcoming. You have to. And what's, uh, we'll wrap this up yeah. with, uh, what's the. What do you think is the most important lesson you've learned from the herd bull? <laughs> oh, shoot. As soon as, you drop, as soon as you draw back, me. put your finger in front of the trigger. I mean, it's relevant to today and I didn't do it. And he's yeah. hounded me on that. Like well, I draw back and he's like, put your finger in front of the trigger, touch the trigger. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, my dad's got so many good lessons in archery. 
Um, that was a big one. It was relevant. Um, yeah. And then I would say too, is that when I've, when I've ever been in a situation, cause I've bow hunted since I was a little kid and I've made some bad decisions. I always have the reminder from dad, that voice in my head of you have to give it everything you have to where you have like every reason to believe that there's no hope to some desired outcome. Right. Like if you made a bad shot or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. So I have this voice you in my head from dad. All, all options. That's it. Exhaust mm -hmm. every option before you quit. Right. Don't quit unless you know that you've done everything you can. And mm -hmm. so that's always carried with me. It's like dad's voice is reminding me. So I'd say that's probably a better one yeah. that carried through to this hunt too. Well, it's uh yeah. Do you have one? Oh, yeah, do you have sure. from the herd? Yeah. Ball? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, like I said, Wayne's been a big part of my life. Um, you know, I, I learned, learned to hunt from my dad, my, my grandfather, you know, um, and got a lot of passion sparked in me from them. So that got me started. But then there was just like this point getting into my teens where, you know, I, I wanted it so bad and I was fortunate enough to, I, I went on this spring bear hunt, which, you know, mm. him and other kids have done for a long time. And yeah. I had been, you know, frothing at the mouth to go do that. Yeah. And finally I got my chance to go. I it had was a Kellen, Nate, Jared. <laughs> yeah, Jared. which they're kind of like, they're not quite a generation ahead of me, but I mean, I guess I yeah, a little know, bit they're older. 10 years older yeah. than me or close yeah. to it. So they had done it and I'd always watch that. And then I had this wrestling coach, Guy Harris, who's a friend of Wayne's. And mm -hmm. he's like, we're going to get you over there and we're going to go bear hunting, but you got to wrestle freestyle this spring. So <laughs> fine, whatever. So we get through anyways, we got over there and I just learned on that hunt from Wayne guy too. It's just the whole thing of like, you're hunting these big giant 3000 foot deep canyons in Northeast Oregon. And you know, the way I came up, we wouldn't even consider like, sure there, maybe there's something down there. We're yeah. like, that's impossible. I, it's, I think it's that. called Hell's Canyon. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound good. Yeah. So, it could be that. Yeah. And, that's big uh, country too. Yeah. It's just, I went on that hunt and I took away from it like, oh, we don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid of when you're going to get back Work. to the truck. Yeah. You're not taking into consideration when am I going to make it out or what's the pack out going to look like? It's like, let's just go kill it and find out. Mm -hmm. That's how I, I just, I took it from that, from Wayne on that hunt. He just, just instilled in me on that. He's like, look, people are going to look at this country and say that no way, but he's like, we don't. He's mm -hmm. like, we hunt this stuff. This is where the animals are. We know to find animals here that other people aren't going to chase. So I just have taken that from him. And that just completely changed my mindset and I've morphed it into my own thing too, yeah. I guess. But it's, you know. The seed was planted with, yeah, with that. And yeah, with that, it's just like kind of hunt with with almost reckless abandon of when you're going to get home, how mm -hmm. far away from the truck. Is it dark? Like, don't be afraid to hike out. Yeah. back to your truck in the dark yeah that's it that's yeah. that's you know among Absolutely. among everything in life that i've taken from wayne like that that hunting trip with wayne set into motion you know who i am now i think that you know a big marker of success in our life is the impact we have on others and when i think of wayne i think about the thousands of people he's not only helped introduce to archery but also mentored in hunting mm -hmm. And so if that is a marker of success, then Wayne, he should feel good about all the positive um, influence he's been on so many young men and women. Uh, we're very lucky. You're lucky to have him as a dad. I know it probably wasn't easy at times, yeah. but uh, 
you know, we're, we're lucky to have the bow rack here and have this great bow hunting community. And all the community we came up in is, I mean, unrivaled. unbelievable. And, uh, and you guys are the next generation coming up and doing it. You know, you're making, you're making the old guys proud. So thank well, you. I appreciate you saying that. And you are always so generous. Like mm. last thing I want to say is that while you are so busy and doing your thing, you still respond to me mm-hmm. and you still are nice. And you always say, I'm proud of you and different mm-hmm. things like that. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Thank you. And I've well, felt the same from you and it's always been cool to, you know, it's been, I guess, later in life for me, but being, it seems like we always talk a lot Yeah. during late season. We're always like, oh yeah, this buck's <laughs> on camera, you know, I haven't seen a deer yet. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty cool. I can't believe that. You know, I'm here. I feel so blessed and thankful to to be on your podcast, and I'm thankful for everything that you've gone through in life to bring you to this point. Because it just feels like every decision I've ever made in life, I guess, has led me here. Mm-hmm. And here we are, and we're able to to tell our story. Just a just a bow hunter from Springfield, Oregon, <laughs> just yeah. a blue collar guy. That's right. So it feels pretty cool, and I just want to thank you for for allowing allowing us on here to tell our story. Yeah. Well, you know, as Nate said, I am proud of both of you. You guys, you know, as you, you make the old guys proud, your your effort and your passion is something I could admire. And uh, I know you guys are going to have a ton of success. You've already had some amazing success this year is a, an incredible marker of that. And we're going to have that film we can share with everybody. It's going to be exciting. So keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's know that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season. Every animal is a unique challenge, every hunt a different experience. And I count on my local Cabela store here in Springfield, Oregon to gear me up with all my hunting necessities. And you know, I like to support companies that give back to conservation. Under the leadership of founder John Morris, Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's are leading North America's largest conservation movement. Together with our partners, they're positively shaping the future of the outdoors through donations, grant writing, and advocacy. Head to their website, BassProShop.com or Cabela's.com and get geared up for your upcoming hunts. Mountain Ops has been my go-to supplements for the past seven years. My exclusive Keep Hammering line of products offers a blended protein powder, BCAs, and a pre-workout that I take every day. I also use their greens, reds, and they actually have a new hydration product called Hydrate that I use before every run. Mountain Ops has been a great partner over the years, and I especially love all they do to give back to the community. Every purchase made on the Mountain Ops website gives back to a family in need. They also give away a ton of different hunting opportunities. They even gave away an elk hunt and a deer hunt at one of my most cherished hunting spots in Utah. If you listen to the podcast, you also get 20% off by using code CAM, that's C-A-M, at www.mountainops.com.